This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Now the latest on the fourth indictment of Donald Trump. The 41-count indictment includes 13 charges against the former president, accusing him of being the head of a criminal enterprise that tried to undo the 2020 election. Trump's co-defendants include his one-time lawyer and former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, and former Department of Justice official Jeffrey Clark. They have until Friday, August 25th, to surrender. This is not a strong indictment from what I've read. The way to test an indictment is ask yourself the following question. What if it were true? What if the election were stolen? What if it was fraud? What if the machines were manipulated? Would anything in this indictment be a crime? And if the answer is no, they did exactly what they should have done if the election had been stolen. And if Donald Trump actually believed, which I think he did, that the election was stolen, how do you make things like that a crime? President Joe Biden speaking on Maui's fiery devastation after an event in Milwaukee. President Biden said to date, the Federal Emergency Management Agency has provided 50,000 meals, 500 beds, 10,000 blankets and various other shelter supplies. The president has been in constant communication with Governor Josh Green and says he's committed all aid to Hawaii. I immediately approve the governor's request for expedited major disaster declaration. That's a fancy word of saying whatever you need, you're going to get. President Biden and his wife, First Lady Jill Biden, plan to travel to Maui's disaster area, but right now it's unclear when. It's a new tent city, this time in a parking lot next to the Creedmoor Psychiatric Center in Queens. It's expected to house up to 1,000 single adult men. City Hall wouldn't say how long the site at Creedmoor will be open. However, unlike the last tent city on Randall's Island, which was open for less than a month last year, city officials expect this site to be open much longer. However, community members say they are worried this will impact their neighborhoods and are planning a protest outside the site on Wednesday. There's a vicious rumor floating around that I think could really hurt Mitt Romney. I heard he passed universal health care when he was governor of Massachusetts. Someone should get to the bottom of that. And I know just the guy to do it. Donald Trump is here tonight. All kidding aside, obviously we all know about your credentials and breadth of experience. Um, for example, uh, no, seriously, just recently in an episode of Celebrity Apprentice at the Steakhouse, the men's cooking team uh, did not impress the judges from Omaha Steaks. And there was a lot of blame to go around, but you, Mr. Trump, recognized that the real problem was a lack of leadership. And so ultimately, you didn't blame Little John or Meatloaf. You fired Gary Busey. And these are the kind of decisions that will keep me up at night.
classic Fanny. This goes out to that moron Fanny Willis, the Fulton County DA in Georgia. Fanny. I know I played this yesterday when O'Reilly came on at 9-10, but it was worth another play. Fanny by the Bee Gees. And I know I'm late to the party. I'm actually late to most parties I go to, but... In this case, if you heard the very end of the Open, once again put together in brilliant fashion by executive producer, sports extraordinaire Justin Ellick. Had all the big stories in there, Donald Trump indictment, Rudy Giuliani, Maui, what's going on there, the big event tonight, Curtis Sliwa by Creedmoor, all those big stories. But if you notice at the very end, that was Barack Obama talking about Donald Trump. And if you... Never saw something that I saw last night for the first time. You may have never seen or heard that audio. It was 12 years ago. That was the Barack Obama Correspondence Dinner back in 2011 when Donald Trump was considering running for president, didn't do it, and instead Obama beat Mitt Romney and Trump arrived on the scene four years later, announcing he was going to run on that epic escalator ride in 2015. So the name of this, and again, it's been around for six years. I'm late to the party. Came out in 2017. I never saw it. I was too busy working with Bernie talking about Trump and Clinton. It's called Trump, an American Dream. And it's on Netflix. And it goes over all of Donald Trump's life. I mean, all of his real estate dealings, his business dealings, his casino dealings, his love life from Ivana, Marla Maples, to uh, Melania and others in between. Cindy Adams makes a couple of appearances in this thing. Roger Stone, who's going to join me coming up at 810, is all over this documentary. But the theme of the documentary really is, while it goes over the whole Playboy life of my friend President Trump, the theme really is, for folks that may not know this, I know most of you do, but some may not, President Trump didn't just arrive on the scene on that escalator in 2015 and decide, here I come. No, on the contrary, President Trump spent 30 years, 30 flirting with running for president, starting all the way back in 1988, believe it or not, when Bush 41 beat Dukakis, Donald Trump was already ready to throw his hat in the ring. 2000, he was very, very close. He was running the Reform Party. He was one of the Republican, not Republican, but one of the Reform Party nominees the year that Bush eventually beat Gore. And he stepped out after Pat Buchanan jumped in. Of course, Buchanan didn't win. But 2000, Donald Trump came awfully close. And then again, like I said, in 2012, 2011, that correspondence dinner, uh, what that was all about was, you may remember, around 2011, that's when Donald Trump was making a big deal about Barack Obama's birth certificate. Big deal about that. He claimed that Barack Obama wasn't born here, and that made him an illegitimate president. But it was at that dinner where Obama announced everybody, I've got good news. 
I've got my long-form birth certificate from Hawaii. Last I checked, Hawaii is a state in America. So I'm sorry, Trump, you were wrong. And then he spent that whole correspondence dinner roasting Trump, who was pissed. You watch the video, Donald Trump shook his head once or twice, kind of jeered once or twice. But according to his confidants, including Roger Stone, Trump left early that night and was pissed. And really decided that night, eventually at some point, if not now, I'm going to run for president. And he did, four years later. What's funny about that night, too, is one of the pictures they showed in the documentary, when Donald Trump and Melania first arrived, there is a picture, a couple of pictures, Melania, Donald, Bill, and Hillary. And Hillary is next to Trump, smiling. There's video of her laughing. I mean, she loved him. Don't forget. Bill and Hillary were at Trump's wedding. So all these people now that hate Donald Trump, Hillary most of all because she still butt saw that he kicked her ass in 2016. I mean, kicked her ass. She did win the popular vote because once you win New York and California, you're going to do that every time. But all these people loved him. They loved him. And now they hate him. Now people like Hillary Clinton celebrate when, in fact, he's indicted for a fourth time. Frank Morano checks in. I did see this on Netflix, too. I haven't watched it yet. The Netflix original documentary, uh, Get Me Roger Stone. I did see that, too. And we'll talk to Roger about that coming up at 8.10. But this uh, Trump and American dream, again, late to the party, was six years ago. But if you haven't seen it and you love Donald Trump like I do, it is is unbelievable. I mean, i got to tell you, at the risk of sounding, I guess, too much of a sycophant, or like Bernard, God rest his soul, uh, somebody told me yesterday that yesterday was the last time Bernard was on this show, a year ago yesterday. So that would have been, what? what's today's date? Uh, August 15th. 15th. Yeah, so August 15th of last year was the last time Bernard was on this show. He passed away, was it October, November? I forget, it was Yum Kipper. October. October, thank you. But, um... Sounding like Bernie here, like that much of a sycophant, so much I love the guy. And I'm watching this, and I'm fist-pumping. But, again, it's not just the political beliefs, the history, the 30-year flirtation, his whole life. I mean, he sounds exactly the same today as he did 36 years ago when he was on with Larry King on CNN telling the world what a mess the United States was. Exactly the same. I can play you the 1987 clip, Trump and Larry King, and his voice is different. just like mine is 10 years later. But he's saying the same things. Or when he called Ed Koch a moron way back when. So if you have an opportunity and you have a couple of hours, it took a couple of hours to watch all this, me, Danielle, and Ava, but it is a great piece. And I just wanted to watch something else. Tired of the indictments, because like Bill O'Reilly pointed out yesterday, Bill said, Sid should be hosting Meet the Press. Sid is so on point, and Sid talks for about 50% of America when he says, this latest indictment, ho-hum. I was at a Mets game. The Mets are awful. Lost again to the Pirates last night. I was at a Met game on a rainy Monday night in a lost season. 
with Anthony Carone, Governor David Patterson, and Keith Kantrowitz. And I heard about the indictment, and I was in no hurry to read about it, run home and watch it. I have spent little to no time the last two days watching it. Instead, I watched this Netflix piece. Boring. We all know at this point what this is all about. This is political persecution. That's all this is. This is, as Trump has said all along, and he's right, this is election interference. It is grotesque. As Laura Ingram said last night, I didn't grow up in a country when I was a kid where political opponents put the other ones in prison. And that's all this is. If you think there's some real validity behind any of this, or any of these charges really represent criminal activity, you're somewhere between naive and stupid, and trust me, closer to the latter. So uh, a bunch of people spoke about it last night, and we'll play it. Let's uh, start with Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House. He was on a cat show last night, and uh, he talked about the Georgia indictment. This, Lewis, is Newt Gingrich, cut number six. I don't think any of this is surprising. I believe you have an astonishingly corrupt establishment. I think that establishment sees itself mortally threatened by Trump, and the establishment believes it's in a war for survival, and they will do they will break any law violate the Constitution any way they have to to destroy Trump. So so they're, they're trying to take on a guy who probably has, uh, among, uh, assume there are, say, 250 million adults, he probably has 125 million or more supporters. So I've got, uh, now, thank you, thank you. So I've this. got uh, Anthony Scaramucci coming up at 10 after 9 this morning. And Mooch is a guy that went from putting his money into Scott Walker's camp to eventually working for President Trump. We know that went really badly, and they hate each other these days. Now Mooch uh, gives all his money to Chris Christie, and all Chris Christie has done is thrash Trump. He's not even getting 2% in most of the recent polls. He's a joke at this point. It only is, is there to bash Trump. But even Chris Christie, even Chris Christie on Fox said this last indictment, not necessary. Here's Fatso, cut number three. Election interference is election interference. It's been charged by Jack Smith. And most of the time, what you'd see here would be a state court deferring to a federal prosecution, especially if that federal indictment had already been issued. Mm -hmm. So I, I think this was unnecessary. Unnecessary. Even Chris Christie, Josh Hawley came out on Fox yesterday, too, and talked about what this is really all about. It's not about breaking the law. He didn't do it. Josh Hawley, cut number seven. This is the latest effort to keep the ruling party in power. That's what this is about. This is indictment like what, number 200? I mean, who knows? There may be more indictments to come. And what's clear about this is this is an effort by the ruling party, the Democrat Party, across states, in the federal government, to make sure that anybody who criticizes them gets indicted. And it's not just Trump, although they're focused on Trump. It's also Catholics who have had their parishes infiltrated. It's also pro-life demonstrators who had SWAT teams sent to their doors. It's also those who have protested peacefully, who've had the FBI show up and knock at their doors. It's parents who've gone to school board meetings and now been labeled domestic terrorists by the Biden administration. I never thought we'd see any of this in American history. We've seen all of it in just the last couple of years. And the common thread is, if you challenge them, if you challenge the ruling party, the ruling elites, they will use the force of law against you. And not only have they used the force of law to Hawley's point against Trump, 
But you talk about how excessive and ridiculous this last indictment is. It's not Trump. It's 19 people, 18 co-conspirators, including my dear friend Rudy Giuliani. Bit excessive, no? That was Attorney John Turley's point on Fox yesterday, Lewis, cut number 12. It's excessive, and I think it's also dangerous. It, it essentially criminalizes challenges to elections. There's no sort of limiting principle in this document. You know, they are charging things like the president saying publicly we need to have a recount. You know, Democrats and Republicans challenge these elections routinely. I've covered elections for various networks. Uh, I, I don't know how many now, uh, but we often, if not always, have these challenges. Some are more supported than others. But they're not crimes. They're seeking judicial review, and that assures the public that there's someone watching over these uh, elections. Of course, just over the last couple of years, Democrats Stacey Abrams, Hillary Clinton, just to name two, have challenged election results. Hillary coming against Donald Trump in 2016. I mentioned my friend Rudy Giuliani indicted one of the 19. He was on this show with me two days ago was on uh, Eric Bowling last night, but also spent time with Katz and Matides on Katz and Cosby. And if anybody knows anything about the RICO Act, that's my dear friend Rudy. In one night, in one night, Rudy Giuliani put away all five crime bosses. It was basically created to put away mafia guys. And the contention out of Georgia is, is that Donald Trump and Giuliani and Meadows and all these guys are basically a political mob, a political mafia. You talk about a stretch. You talk about ridiculous. Doesn't play here. And that was Rudy Giuliani's point yesterday on CNC, cut number 11. She should resign if she doesn't know. She doesn't know the rules of the court. It would seem to me she should resign. Second, I don't think she realized that it's almost automatically removable. I mean, she's going to have it for about two days. It's automatically re- removable under 28 U.S.C. 1442A, which I didn't mention until after she filed the indictment because I didn't want to alert her because I figure she's not much of a lawyer. And Mark was the first to take advantage of it. But uh, all of us can benefit by that, as well as the president. The, the, the basis of the statute is that all of this happened while he was president of the United States. Therefore, the rulings and the decisions and whatever comes out of this are going to set rules for the president. Well, that shouldn't be set by the states. It should be set by the federal government. So Congress has provided that when you bring a lawsuit like this, civil or criminal, it can be removed to the federal court. Not only that, they say it has to be construed liberally and broadly, meaning basically you have to do it. And finally, if it's denied, we can appeal it which, as the judge knows, uh, means we get interlocutory appeal on this. So her idea of a trial in six months is equally as incompetent as the indictment she brought. (laughs) You tell him, Rudy, okay, all those folks, all 19 of them are set to be booked in or around August 25th. There you have it, folks. We've got a big, 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 big show coming your way today, including Curtis Sliwa, Joseph Takapina, Roger Stone, Peter King, Anthony Scaramucci, and maybe my cousin Norm Coleman as well. It's the Wednesday Hump Day edition of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's us, Sid and Friends in the Morning.
exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sid and friends in the morning. What you say? Be task a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. Madonna, we've used this song in that baseball movie she did with Rosie O'Donnell and Tom Hanks. This used to be my playground, and today happens to be like a virgin's, which she hasn't been for a very, very long time, folks. <laughs> Her birthday. How old is my friend Madonna today? You can't guess? I'm going to go with 70. Okay, way off. I'm going to go with 66. You're closer. 63. Still, uh, I don't know. I still have visions of her jumping up and down in a bed at the National Coliseum <laughs> during that Like a Virgin tour. I love that concert. I have no idea how old she is. 65. 65. Okay, right there, Madonna. She uh, she used to be very sexy till she was about 60. She was never sexy. That's what I'm saying. Gross. Never sexy. I remember the movie Vision Quest with Matthew Modine. He was also in Full Metal Jacket. Made a lot of movies. But in the movie Vision Quest... He was a wrestler, I believe. And I think the movie starts with that great song by Journey, Only the Young. And one of the scenes in that movie, Matthew Modine walks into a local bar, and Madonna, who no one knew at the time, is singing that song, Crazy For You, which I think was her very first big hit. And I was like, who's this chick? It was like, you know, she had the 9,000 bracelets, the the whole getup, which basically Boy George stole about that time. He really couldn't tell the difference fashion-wise between Madonna and Boy George. But um, she's 65, huh? Yeah, that's it today. Big big one today. No, that's a big wow. one. That is a very, very big one. That's one of the songs I actually really do like. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's an amazing song. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I'm being completely honest. No. I did not know that. It no. is a beautiful song. Yeah, it's a great song. She's a, song a great she's talent. Nice. Yeah, today's Madonna's birthday. It's the perfect day for Curtis Sliwa. 
and his band of heroes, including Phil Ornstein, who Eric Adams felt the need to criticize yesterday. The perfect day for my guy Curtis, who's going to join me in about 30 minutes, to head to Creedmoor, chain himself to a fence, and get arrested for the 78th time. <laughs> it is official the migrants are, in fact, by Creedmoor Psychiatric Center in Queens. That became official yesterday. Is that right, Noam Layden? That is correct. Uh, about a hundred of them were bussed in last night. Maybe they were doing so because they knew about this protest that's going to happen later today. They figured to get some of those migrants in, establish that it is a tent city, and it can hold up to a thousand people. So there's cots there. Um, you know, when you think tent, it's not like a tent when you're out in the woods. It's right, like you know, right. air conditioned the whole works. <laughs> yeah. uh, I believe that one of the migrants actually spoke yesterday. You have that audio? I do. Uh, one of the migrants here, his name is Sebastian Farrow. He's from Colombia and he's thrilled that he has made it to the U.S. He's even found some work along the way since he got here. I found different jobs, cleaning, demolition, uh, sheetrock. Different thing. Stay here is is much better in Colombia. Yeah. All right. So there's the migrant again. Curtis Sliwa will be the leader on tonight. We'll talk to Curtis in about 30 minutes. That has become a disaster. The migrant crisis. And while Eric Adams, for some reason, like Governor David Patterson, I felt badly because I kicked Patterson's ass on this show yesterday. And I like I like the governor, but I kicked his ass. Kind of like what John Katzmatis did to the MTA commissioner last night. That was a great job out of John. But uh, all these people who felt badly for Adams now, sorry, not me, because it was Adams who said, come on in, baby, we're a sanctuary city. We got you. You want Xbox? You want tequila? Want to stay in a fancy hotel room? Want a $1,000 night escort? We got you. We got you. Now he's decided it's too much, too little, too late. The other big disaster we deal with now is Maui. And I had Tulsi Gabbard on yesterday, and Tulsi complained that the people in Hawaii, much like the people in East Palestine, Ohio, are very upset because they haven't seen the president. No Joe Biden. No Jill Biden. Back in the East Palestine issue, there was no Pete Buttigieg. Oh, don't you worry. Joe Biden took some time out of his beach-going and bike-riding and actually spoke about Hawaii for the first time yesterday. Here is Joe Biden, Lewis, cut number two. And think about this. All that area they got to plow up. They can't do it now because they don't know how many bodies are there. They don't know what's left. Imagine being a mom or dad wondering where your child is. Shut Imagine up. being a husband or wife. Oh, you care now? Father. Yeah. Imagine. It's really tough stuff. Yeah. Almost 500 federal personnel have been deployed to Maui to help communities and survivors get back on their feet. You can't even talk. FEMA. Search and rescue teams are sifting through the ashes. And that five-mile area that you've seen on television has been burned. It's painstaking work. It takes time. And it's nerve-wracking. Most of the debris can't be removed until it's done. My wife, Jill, and I are going to travel to Hawaii as soon as we can. That's as soon as you can. the governor about it. I don't want to get in the way. Sure. Sure. We don't get what in the way. Are kidding? I mean, he, he, he's not the worst president <laughs> and just the worst human being. He's such a creep. He can't even act like he cares. Look, we're going to get there as soon as yeah. we can. As soon as I'm done riding my bike in Rehoboth. What is more, what's yeah. more important? I don't want to get in the way. You're the president, you <laughs> dumb bastard. Oh, my God. What a joke. Ay, ay, ay. What a joke. Hey, uh, one more. You know, I played the Woody Giuliani cut earlier where he talked about how 
really lost this Fulton County DA is attaching that racketeering charge, the whole RICO stuff. And I know that his guy, Ted Goodman, I like Ted a lot. Ted spoke yesterday, too. And uh, where was that, Noam? You know, I'm not sure, actually, where that was. Somewhere in Manhattan. All right, what do you say? Give, give me some of those Ted Goodman cuts. Oh, you want me to give them to you? Yeah, you got them. You may as well play them. Sure. Uh, give me one sec. Ted Goodman. Here we go. All this right. is Teddy Goodman. Millions of Americans stand by Mayor Rudy Giuliani because they understand that he remains the most effective prosecutor in American history. Once again, we are talking about a man who locked up the most serious criminals on Wall Street. He did do that. He locked up all five crime bosses in one day. And, of course, what he did on 9-11 and after that makes Rudy Giuliani not just the greatest mayor in the history of New York, but, quite frankly, one of the great patriots in the history of our country. I will not allow MSNBC, low lives like Joe and Mika, who have done nothing to help anybody in the history of this country, I will not allow CNN or some dopey DA in Georgia to smear my guy Rudy. Not going to do it. Were they at every funeral for every cop and fireman for months after 9-11? Of course not. So I take all this with a grain of salt. I know what it is. Political persecution, whether it's Trump, Giuliani, any one of these heroes. And I say, shove it up your ass. Joe Nolan is coming up next. Right now it's time for the <laughs> weekly Tunnel to Towers update. He's probably proud to follow now. <laughs> yeah. uh, CEO, my main man, Frank Siller, he's going to tell us about a mortgage payoff for the family of a fallen first responder hero right here in New York City. How cool is that? Good morning, Frank. How are you, pal? Hey, Sid. I know you remember this. Uh, you're a New Yorker. I do. When we lost uh, NYPD detectives Jason Rivera and Wilbur Mora when they were shot and killed while responding to a domestic dispute in Harlem. Detective Rivera was only 22 years old and served with the NYPD for just over a year. His widow, on the one-year anniversary at St. Patrick's Cathedral, made an announcement. that I was there, and I was floored uh, when I heard this, that she is pregnant with their child, and she gave birth to their son, Wesley, this June. I called Dominique soon after to tell her the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is going to pay off their mortgage, because we pay off mortgages, of our fallen first responders that die in the line of duty that leave young families behind. And this is a miracle. I see these miracles all the time, and we better make sure we take care of these families that are left behind that paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. Once again, go to T2T.org and donate $11 a month. Together we can take care of all these great families. And Sid, thank you as always. No, really, thank you, Frank. Never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate just $11 a month. Do it today at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. If you 
One of the greatest shows me and Bernie ever did, of course. This is the legend Aretha Franklin, who died back in 2018 at the age of 76 years old. And 2018, me, Bernie, Jill, and Matt were still at the old address, Madison Square Garden, before John bought us. We were still working under the cumulus umbrella. So Aretha dies that day. I'll never forget this. It was brilliant. And Bernie basically, God rest his soul, spent the whole first segment in our quote-unquote tribute to Aretha, making the argument that she wasn't nearly as good as Diana Ross. <laughs> that was our tribute. And then, uh, of course, we got bombarded with hate mail and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, for years, nice. again, I, I believe Bernie did his last show with us, according to my friend Jeffrey, a year ago yesterday. You know, for years, you were on with us, Lou, I'd make fun of Bernie about the Aretha Franklin-Diana Ross thing. So I remember that day when she died very vividly. It was one of our best shows. It was... That show was all laughs, which we didn't do all the time. But that show was great. Aretha Franklin, happy birthday. She would have been, I guess. Not happy birthday, the day she died. Oh, that's right. It's yes. the day she died. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I just want to make sure yeah. you got it. So they've now charged my friend Donald Trump 91 counts between the four indictments when you add them all up. 91 counts. And we've covered some of it today. Again, playing audio from stuff. People said yesterday about this latest Georgia indictment. We've talked about Biden and Hawaii. We've talked about Curtis and Creedmoor, the migrant crisis in New York City. But throughout today's show, which includes a guest appearance at 10 After 8 by Roger Stone, I do want to go back to that amazing documentary on Netflix, Trump and American Dream. Again, I know it's six years old. A lot of you have seen it already. I don't care. <laughs> I haven't. And some of it was wildly entertaining so noam laden i'm going to make you a promise right now that the next four minutes right will be your favorite four minutes in the history of your stay at wabc okay good all right that's a big deal right that is that's huge i mean huge i am promising you the next four minutes will be your favorite in the history of this station now i do have a tendency very rarely but a tendency to pat myself on the back. Let me tell you, I have nothing to do with this. These next four minutes, you're not going to hear a word from me. Not a word. Which makes some of you happy, I understand that. But this is still going to be, for Noam Layden, and for many of you, maybe even me, the greatest four minutes in WABC. And I'll tell you why. Because here's Donald Trump, maligned, indicted, all over this poor bastard. But about 20... Four years ago, I told you this earlier, Donald Trump, one of the many times over 30 years, he flirted with the presidency. About 24 years ago, he once again flirted with the presidency. It was 1999. And the guy that really motivated him was a guy that beat my cousin, Norm Coleman, who may join us at 930, and that was the former wrestler, Jesse Ventura. Jesse against all odds, won the gubernatorial race in the state of Minnesota. And Donald Trump is like, wow, if Jesse Ventura can win in Minnesota, I can win here. I can do it. So he decided the Republican candidate was Bush. The Democrat candidate was Gore. He decided he would run on the Reform Party. Because don't forget, three years prior, 1996, Ross Perot did a great job running under that umbrella. 
Now, Trump eventually gave way to Pat Buchanan, but he was really considering 99 running based on Ventura's success and even went to Minnesota and spoke to Jesse Ventura, not about policy. He didn't care about that, but about strategy. How does a guy, a wrestler, who had 7% of the early polling actually win the race? So Donald Trump is home one morning, 1999, and again, He's really serious about running as the reform candidate for president. And he gets a phone call in his house early in the morning. And Melania, relatively new on the scene, he had been through Ivana, he had been through Marla Maples. Now it was Melania Trump. Melania is in bed with Donald. I'm not even sure they were married at that point. I guess, no, they weren't married yet, were they? No, they weren't. And he gets a phone call. You want to take a guess? Know him who the phone call came from? Hmm. You have one guess. Who would be calling Trump early in the morning? I really don't know. You don't know? Really, I'm surprised. Lewis, cut number 16. Uh, President Donald Trump is uh, on the phone. Uh, I, my theory is that uh, Donald is really not running for president. You think he's just promoting a book? Yeah, he doesn't need the uh, He's on the phone. Uh, President Donald Trump is on the phone. Uh, My theory is that uh, Donald is really not running for president. You think he's just promoting a book? Yeah, he doesn't need the uh, commission. Donald. Hi, Howard. How are you? But I am having a good time. Mr. President. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to endorse me, Howard. Yes, sure, I'll endorse you. What else have I got to do? Tell you what, this country won't be ripped off anymore, Howard. I know, you'll, you'll, you'll get a good deal. We'll get good deals. Well, the guy's a great businessman. Oh, yeah. You got Lots of good deals and lots of lower taxes. Let me talk to that broad in your bed. Ah! I could almost have her talk to you. You could? Let me just she's say, out, actually, she's outside in another room listening to the... What is she doing? Next? What is she wearing? I don't know. Maybe I should get her in. Do you want me to get her in? Yeah, yeah. Let me talk to her for a second. Oh. Let me talk to her. <laughs> What's her name again? Melanie? It begins with an M. Hello? Hey. Hi. How are you? You are so hot. Oh, thank you. I see pictures of you. I can't believe it. You're a dream. Oh. You are so hot. Are so you coming out with us? Yes, I am, baby. <laughs> let me tell you something. I want you to put on your hottest outfit. Okay, no problem. What are you going to wear? Oh, I don't tell you now. You will see. Let me ask you this. What are you wearing right now? Uh, not much. Are you naked? Are you nude? <laughs> Almost. Oh, I have my pants off already. Oh, that's Donald's girl. you got to get your own girl. What if, you, uh, what if you see me and you see how hot I am? Okay, let's see later. We'll find out, my Liebchen. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what are you, uh, you're in love with Trump? Sorry? Are you in love with Trump? Yeah, we have a great time. You want to marry him? Uh, I'm not answering that. You don't even care. Let's see, what? You don't even care. Why? You're perfect. And what do you do? You go over there every night when you guys have sex? That's true. Oh, we have God. a great, great time. Every night you have sex? Mm-hmm. Even more. Are you very loving? Mm-hmm. You are? Yes. I can see you need love. <laughs> and you can't trust anybody. You ever steal money from his wallet? No, I never do that. Really? No. That's so silly. Very beautiful. Very, very beautiful. Uh, thank you. What do you do? Do you like to go to beaches? Uh, I do. I do. What do you wear on the beach? Um, actually, I like uh, just you know to take more private bikini on the beach. Of bikini course. or thong? Thong. Thong. No, no, say bikini. It means thong. You know. I, don't really, I always mispronounce it. I call it a thong. From the body, it's not good. Yeah, the lines on the body. You have a, you, nice, right? And you have a big chest for a model. Sorry? You have a very nice chest for a model. You're not flat-chested. Mm-hmm. 
Do you like a man with a very soft, dimpled uh, buttocks? That's me. I have a lot of cellulite. You don't have an ounce of cellulite, do you? Yeah, I have cellulite. I admit it. Oh, okay. Some some chicks dig that. Uh-huh. They like a soft yeah, man. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, it's very, it's like, it's like. You like a soft, mushy man? Do you like a soft, unattractive man? Because that's me. Oh. I tell you, you are perfect. Oh, thank you. I tell you, I don't see a flaw on you. And you me? want to speak to Donna? Mm, okay. She's tired. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. All right. Take care. I love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right. Oh, man. She's naked there, isn't she? She is actually naked. Oh, Jesus. The famous <laughs> Oh, what a life you have. Not so bad, Robin. This is a candidate. We're hey, hey, Donald. <laughs> That's right. Let me put You're you dealing on. now with a candidate, Howard. <laughs> Can you have him, Mr. Trump? Is this your average interview, Robin, for presidential president? <laughs> Not for a politician. I would think You know what? Now. This is why you'd be a great candidate, because you're refreshingly honest. Clinton, believe me, Clinton's doing the same stuff. He's just not talking about talk it. talk about it. No. You gave no. the greatest and, and quote. The level, the level of quality is not there either. Ah. I'm telling you, I was, yeah, I was watching an interview with Donald, and very seriously, Donald said, listen, I don't think America was shocked. By the Monica Lewinsky thing, they were shocked by that he wasn't with a supermodel. Right. And he was with some big fat chick. Oh. And uh, even Donald couldn't believe it. Well, I did make the statement that there are those that say that if President Clinton was caught with a supermodel, he would have been everyone's hero. <laughs> now, of course, I would never say a thing like that, but Somebody there are those that say that. I believe you might have said it. Somebody uh, said that. Hey, Donald, listen, um, we're going to follow your candidacy. And uh, please come in and see us soon. Anytime you want, Howard. I'll see you soon. And if you want, call me seriously. About, I'm right. serious about that. And Robin, yes. keep up the good work. And you have yes. an open invitation on this show. You know that. I know that. All right. And yeah. I appreciate Donald it. Donald Trump is a great friend of this show. And President Trump will be a reality. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Thank you, Mr. President. Hello, so Robin. Mr. President, go back to that girl. I will. Right. There's Mr. President, Donald Trump. 24 years ago, that phone call took place. And uh, for the nice things I still say about Howard Stern, which really aggravates a lot of you, I don't care, but I know it does. You hear right there what a backstabbing jerk-off Howard Stern is. I mean, he couldn't have been nicer and more complimentary. I heard Howard even years after that say that of all the guests over his legendary career he had, his best guest every time was Trump. Here's Donald Trump, 1999, considering running for president, in bed with a naked supermodel they weren't even married yet, and he puts him on the phone. And then when he gets back on the phone, he goes, yeah, she's naked. I mean, come on. That's all you need to know about President Trump. That was 24 years ago. you got to love him. No, Lewis? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, Robin. Hello, Robin. So, he wasn't saying much, but it's no, funny. It was funny. <laughs> Is this the right kind of interview for a presidential candidate, Robin? I don't think so. You know I love you, Howard. Yeah, we you do know, it again great. now. I mean, even that stupid Billy Bush tape, which they used time and time again in the E. Jean Carroll case. But Joe Tacopina, who will join me at 740, admitted actually hurt the president. That stupid Billy Bush tape about grabbing by the P word. Who cares? Are we going to do dial a date? Uh, Howard, I'm, I'm kind of ready for that. that. I always love that. You know you're one of the greats. You know I love you. You know I love you. And only Howard can get away with that stuff back. I guess I'm as good, too, to a certain extent. I mean, I'm as good have done that, too. Of course, he was of course. doing stuff like that until Howard came along, and Howard was better, so I just decided, let me talk politics. Yeah. Basically right. Sure. I mean, Howard was, I mean, Don was the original Howard. And then when Howard came, Don was like, I got to change my game. This guy's going to kick my ass. And it was brilliant. And it worked well for Don Imus, and both guys did well. Anyway, little walk down memory lane, that phone call 24 years ago, 1999, Howard Stern. 
Donald Trump and his girlfriend a naked Melania. A lot more to come, including big night tonight in Queens. Curtis Sliwa, my man going to chain himself to a fence. And in all seriousness, will likely be arrested for the 78th time. You're laughing, you can't believe it, but it's true. We got a list of about five or six great guests stopping by, and we kick it off after the news with Curtis Sliwa on this edition of Sit and Friends in the Morning. WABC. Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of Lone Street, that heartbreak hotel where I'll be. I'll be just a lonely baby. Well, I'm so lonely. I'll be just a lonely. I could die. Although it's always crowded, you still can find some room for broken hearted lovers to cry there in the gloom. Be so, I'll be just a lonely baby. I'll be just a lonely. I'll be so lonely, I'll make it die. August 16th, of course, big tribute day. We played Aretha Franklin earlier. She died on this day. And, of course, this man right here, the king, Heartbreak Hotel, Elvis Presley, also died on this date. In fact, our mutual friend, John Cirillo, reminding us that Aretha, Elvis Presley, and Babe Ruth, all three, passed on this date, August the 16th, the queen of soul, the king of rock, and the Sultan of Swat. And, in fact, John Cirillo is writing a book right now about this particular date, similar to the Gene Simmons book, where he did a book on all the famous 27-year-olds, 27 that all died, all 27, from Jimi Hendrix to Kurt Cobain to, uh, who's the young girl from uh, London? Um, she was uh, very Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse to Jim Janis Morrison. Joplin Jim to Morrison, Morrison, all of them. Yeah. By the way, Jim Morrison is alive. He is alive. Well, He's not in that cemetery uh, uh, listen, in Paris. I'm sorry. A lot of people think the movie Eddie and the Cruisers, Michael Parry's character, Eddie, where he drove off the cliff and died or drove into the water, and the next scene he's standing outside a TV store watching himself on TV. They think that's based loosely off of Jim Morris. Of course, and the doors. What a great group. But anyway, I hate Elvis, but I asked Lou to play that song because, first off, you two guys passed that mobile station on the Bell Parkway where they charge like $9 a gallon. Yeah, at, at exactly, uh, for folks who are interested in this, it was exactly 4.23 a.m. this morning in a driving rain. And I remember uh, how often we'd hotwire cars in Canarsie before they chop them up. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, the guys pulled into that mobile station. And back then, uh, gasoline cost nothing, but we didn't have enough money. So they tell me, the young guy... Here's the garden hose siphoned some gas because there were no gas caps. And, man, I got so stoned from that because you do that high test, right? Yes. You take that in. And we had to pull over to Plum Beach and abandon the car there. And I had to struggle <laughs> to get back to exit 13 on the uh, Belt Parkway, the Canarsie exit. But I will tell you this. Elvis, right, died on the Porcelain Palace, 1977, this date. 
Yeah. Uh, he was the one person in the world that consumed more drugs than you, Sid Rosenberg, in your I, I, lifetime. I, is that true? I don't know about that. I know uh, he did a lot of painkillers. Oh, but yeah, but uh, he also he was, was also a, fat and out of shape. And a DEA agent. Remember, it was Richard Nixon who made him the DEA agent, which was such a joke. Is that right? Yeah, he gave him a badge right in the White House. Oh, that's true. You're right. I do remember that now. Yeah, yes. Now, the reason I bring this up oh, is... Oh, by the way, the, he died, you mentioned that summer of 1977. We always talk about the Yankees beating the Dodgers in the World Series. Reggie Jackson hitting three home runs off three different Dodger pitchers. The blackout, the anniversary was a couple of days ago. Son of Sam. But we should add the death of Elvis Presley. Death of Elvis Presley, and you mentioned the Yankees, and I mentioned, oh, Mel Hall with a 15-year-old. <laughs> Elvis <laughs> Presley with a 14-year-old. Yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis, a 13-year-old. And Chuck Berry with a 14-year-old. But because they were Mr. Big Stuff, who do you think you are? We said nothing. We did nothing. We kept our mouths shut. And then remember, over and over again, you said, what are these three-eyed cousin fornicators thinking that they could have sex with 14 and 13-year-olds? Yeah, but they're stars. Mel Hall had a blonde-haired, blue-eyed white girl with him at every Yankee game in the box. And nobody said, well, you know, it looks yeah. like something strange is going huh? on here. You know what? Now that I think about it, that should have been Anthony Weiner's defense. I mean, you didn't have sex with these. He just Exactly. Them. He's exactly. like, I mean, give me a break. You put me in prison. Look what Elvis did. Unbelievable. <laughs> so you notice my tribute to Elvis couldn't be any worse a tribute that a person could give when somebody is dead. But last night, I happened to walk the grounds of Creedmoor. You did? No security. Was that the first time you were there? Because you were actually a patient back in 1976. Uh, could well have been with uh, <laughs> Lou Reed and Woody Guthrie. You know, they were house there. Lou Reed was yeah. there? Lou Reed was there. Woody Guthrie was there. At one time, it had 7,000 patients on the 300-acre campus. When did it close? Uh, no, no. It's still open. Partially open. In no, fact, but, there, but there are no psychos out of there, are oh, there? Oh, man. You don't want to go to building number 40. That's in lockdown. Those are the severely so emotionally... Still there? Yeah. That's like Jack Nicholson over the cuckoo's nest right now? Worse. 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 Now, yeah. why was now again, I, I love uh, this history stuff, and you're great at this. Lou Reed uh, loved him, great performer. Why was he there? He went nuts. He... Well, between the drugs and nuts. Remember, he used to have a spike in his arm. He didn't even take the hypodermic out. He just said, keep loading it with heroin. <laughs> really? He Rome on the Lower East Side. He was a dope fiend, hardcore dope fiend, with severe psychiatric problems. And so he was housed at Creedmoor. They'd let him go. They'd put him back, let him go. But in walking the 300 acres last night, by the way, no security. Absolutely no security. I'm walking around like I own the joint. Ghosts galore all over the place. And then I look at these two. Hold on. You actually think you saw a ghost? Uh, no, I heard them. You heard them? Oh, yeah. The screaming, the howling. They used to do lobotomies there. They used to give electroshock. What is that show that uh, Lady Gaga did a great job on? I believe it's on FX. American Horror Story. Yes. You you sound like you've been watching a little too much of that. No, no, no. I was on they the had one season where they had like a psychiatric ward, and then they said it was haunted and all that stuff. No, no. About, definitely there it is. You heard voices last night. Absolutely. I heard the screams of people screaming. in the past who were getting electroshock, <laughs> lobotomies. No, that was a bad place. Now... They have people who are housed there who are able to go, come and go as they want. I, I, I met a guy the other day. I did a video. I posted it. He walked right off the campus. Well, you mean somebody who is crazy? Yes. He can just come and go as he wants. There is no security in Creedmoor. And now they're going to bring in a thousand single able-bodied guys with nowhere to go and nothing to do. And the tent last night, it started to rain. 
So I'm talking to these guys from Texas. They got a construction ad on. They're making mad money off of us. He goes, look, it's already, the, the tent is already leaking water. It already already is leaking already, water. Geez. Listen, I got to tell you, you know, I, I've been over this before. Anthony Caron, my good friend, and Keith and uh, Governor Patterson. Oh, by the way, can I make a comment? Bill O'Reilly was so right when he said, what? You went to a Pittsburgh Pirate game? Yeah, on a Monday night in the I rain. Mean, did they give them free tickets, <laughs> and that's why you slept along? Uh, we had a nice steak dinner, too. I but... understand, but that's like the worst possible ball game you could go. <laughs> no. Bill O'Reilly couldn't have been more spot he on. He did nail it, but uh, I had a great time with Governor David Patterson, and then I invited him on the show yesterday, and... I feel kind of bad. I, I I beat him up pretty bad. No, no, no. Not, not, not bad him. enough. Not, not bad, bad enough. enough. And then he, uh, as I'm blaming Eric Adams, not solely Eric Adams' fault, but certainly until he calls out the border, until he mentions Biden by name, what Patterson doesn't admit is when Adams says the federal government, what he means by that is I can blame the White House, but I can also blame Republicans. He's constantly talking about the lack of immigration reform. So when he says the federal government, he's excusing himself from really taking a shot at the one guy that deserves it, the President Joe Biden. It's cowardice out of Mayor Adams. So I beat up Patterson pretty badly here yesterday. And then he went after you. And he said some things about you that were not very nice. Well, guess what? He's going to be surprised coming up real soon. Who pimped my ride, who moved into my condo with my wife. Who banged your wife. Didn't even pay any rent. Why, I'm paying the mortgage. And then I find out they're not even using the mortgage payments for the mortgage. Guess what, Governor Patterson? You made the worst mistake in your life yesterday, maligning me and hanging. And you're the Maytag to Eric Adams. You know he's a lobbyist now. Uh, Patterson, he makes money lobbying. He puts his beak in the trunk. He doesn't want to offend Eric Adams because he's looking for contracts. You say contract, I say kickback. You know what this business is all about. Come on, no, said Rosenberg. So my friend Lynn, who's going to show up at this uh, big event with you later on tonight, her and her friend Katie, she says the nuts ran around Glen Oaks assaulting people. Yes. They were beating up people. Yeah, absolutely. Is that true? Absolutely. They walk off Creedmoor. They walk through the neighborhood. Now imagine. Between the psychos walking around from Creedmoor, you got a thousand single, able-bodied young men with nothing to do with high levels of testosterone in Buffalo, right? Outside of Buffalo in Cheektowaga. The county executive there said, give me your tired, give me your poor, because you're giving me money from the city to house them. Two rapes in a row, back-to-back, belly-to-belly. One guy rapes a female worker in a no-tell motel. From Venezuela, the next night, a guy from the Congo rapes a female worker in another no-tail hotel. Really? So the county executive of Erie said, Eric Adams, you lied to us. You told us these people were vetted. We don't want any more of your illegal aliens. We don't care how much money you give us. Keep them in New York City. There's no vetting process. Sid, we don't know who these people are. No. I see them walking around with MS-13 marks on their neck. And, and we're rolling out the red carpet. They're getting things that average citizens don't get. Right, the homeless certainly don't get. You made that amazing video, 110th Street in Central Park. I brought it up on Lawrence Jones on Fox News. Some of your best work you've ever done, Curtis. And you do a lot of really, really great work. So you're going to go there tonight. And uh, is Ornstein going to be there? Yeah, oh, Eric oh, Adams oh, called oh. him out. Eric Adams was on the front steps of Brooklyn Borough Hall. And he said, he said, New Yorkers, 
Please don't turn against each other. This is what the enemy wants. Who's the enemy? Yeah, maybe you can find out because, oh, you know, I, know, I don't have any comment. I, I know who it is. The who's, enemy, who's, he, who's the enemy? Well, he's referring to people like you and I. Ah. Anybody who criticizes the mayor or city hall about the migrant crisis, we are now, quote, unquote, the enemy. We're not concerned New Yorkers. We're the enemy. Then he went on to say this city is supposed to be displaying what the godlike spirit is. And it doesn't mean stating that we don't want these people. Well, guess what? I don't want these people. I'm going to say it. Let me say it very, exactly. very loud, Eric. We I don't, don't want these people. Want these people. No, these are you. not Americans. And by the way, hey, Eric, Jesus Christ threw the moneylenders out of the temple, and you're getting wine, dine, and pocket line. These are no big contracts. Can you imagine this? Because of an executive emergency, he gets to spend whatever our money is, and he doesn't have to answer, are these friends of Eric Adams? Are they getting wine dined in pocket line? Where's our money going? Remember, he said it costs $4 billion. Then all of a sudden, after one month, it costs $12 billion. <laughs> that is what you call common core math. Yeah. I didn't understand that when my kids yeah. had an understanding. And our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, last night was magnificent. He was great. His OEM stooge, Office of Emergency Management. Oh, John killed him. Oh, killed him. Killed him. So, what about Rikers? What, nope. Everybody's saying, what about Rikers? Uh, we've been saying that. Well, I said the same thing to Louis Molina on this show. Exactly. And, and what did this guy say? Well, you know, it's very complicated. No, no it's not. It's not complicated. No. There's no. a bridge. There's only one way in, one way out. There's empty buildings. John has been saying this since day one. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, but there's no kickbacks on Rikers Island, you so see? So it doesn't work for these guys. Of course. Of course right, it doesn't right. work for them. So, so the big question is, coming up at 7.05 tomorrow morning, when we do this great segment every day, which a lot of folks look forward to, a lot of folks, more than you even know, will you be here? Or be behind bars for the 78th time. No, I could well be behind bars for the 78th time. <laughs> the problem here is that the DA in Queens is Melinda Katz, the mother of my two youngest sons, Carter and Hunter. Yes. Now, my contract when I came back after losing to Eric Adams uh, for mayor with John Katz he said, you got a 30-year no-cut contract, except you only get paid for the shows you do. That's why I'm always on the air. I got a lot of child support. <laughs> so anytime it's available. In fact, coming up, Brian uh, Kilmeade is away. I'm going to be Brian Kilmeade. I need the money. Is that again today? Oh, of course. I need the money. So you understand, uh, she's got to make sure that I get cut loose <laughs> in order to appear with you at 705. Oh, because if not, I see, don't get now, any money from Johnny. She doesn't get any child support. Now it's all becoming increasingly clear to me. So my friend who runs as a Democrat, yes. but even you agree is more Republican, and he's running again in November, my friend Judge George Grasso. I've brought him on a couple of times. I've endorsed him. You were very, very tepid, but now it makes sense. As much as you despise Melinda Katz, she's the mother of your children. She'll keep you out of jail. You need her. You need her. Uh, who's running against her? What's that guy's <laughs> name? <laughs> By the way, he was at our rally. Our rally last week with 4,000. He had a smile on his face as he was listening to the speeches. But, you know, I can't cross that magic no, no, no line. No, I get it. I get it. Sid, so, I'll get locked up. You'll never see me. for three. I'll that. be the only person who actually gets remanded to jail. No bail. <laughs> you can kill people in New York City, and the DAs will cut you loose. Oh, give them a, a desk appearance ticket, a disappearance ticket. But tonight, the march of the walkers in the wheelchairs, there will be dozens of us who will be arrested in an act 
Tracing back to Mahatma Gandhi, civil disobedience, this will be my 78th arrest. My last one was outside a Gracie mansion when I was serving papers to Comrade Bill de Blasio when he had me arrested. I was so proud of that. But this one will be my proudest arrest wow. of all. That's saying a lot. What time does this uh, oh, seven o'clock. Come on, everybody out there. Come to Hillside Avenue. That's the entrance to Creedmoor. You're going to see thousands of people out there once again. And we're not going to stop. We're basically saying, these are not our people. These are your people, Eric Adams. These are not our Americans. These are your people. What about black people who are in living in the subways, in the parks, on the streets, emotionally disturbed, without money, indigent, poor? You got elected. You said you would take care of your peeps. And now you told all black people, to the back of the line. Because I am the Papa Chulo of the illegal aliens. They're going to get me to be president in the future. Once you're able to vote, I'll get the black vote. I'll get the Hispanic vote. And then I'll be el presidente over my dead body. I'm ready to go to jail. I hope the rest of you will follow me. Because this is the first protest with civil disobedience and many more to come. Illegal aliens, go back to where you came from. Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. GOP debate takes place one week from tonight. One week from tonight, the first GOP debate. It'll be on Fox News. The second one 
on my beautiful wife Danielle's birthday, September the 27th, is on Fox Business. And we're still waiting to see if Donald Trump, after suffering through a fourth ridiculous indictment a couple of days ago, will participate. His uh, big-time attorney, my dear friend of 46 years, Joseph Takapina, set to join us next. So my acting career is actually going places. There's a strike right now. We know that. The actors, the writers, they're on strike. They seem to be miles apart. But there are some projects you can do. They're called uh, micro-budgets, I believe. Rasag and AFTRA will let you do that. And I've got something cooking this afternoon, but I can't provide any real details till later. But uh, some very impressive folks, very impressive off of the success, which still shocks me because, to be honest, I don't have a very big role in Gravesend. I'm in five of the nine episodes, but not a very big role. And certainly not a very big role in Inside Man. But I've heard from people, I can't say their names on the air because they'll be angry because they're striking. They're actually solidarity. They're, they're behind SAG. So they don't want people to think they're even watching movies. But the response has been overwhelming. I'm... I'm flattered, I'm shocked, I'm humbled, I'm, I'm thrilled. So we'll, uh, we'll see where this takes us. But on a more important note, my son Gabriel, my daughter Ava, I'm so proud of Ava. She goes back to college next month. She's been terrific. But my son Gabe, you know his physical limitations, diagnosed as a little boy with dyspraxia. In fact, i got to talk to Chad. Uh, we want to do, Danielle and I, what we did last year, our second annual Dyspraxia Radiothon, the Dyspraxia Week in this country, is October 9th to the 15th. So I want to use Thursday, October 12th in that capacity. And you'd be surprised how many big names, including O'Reilly, are very generous when it comes to donating to the charity that we started, Dyspraxia America DCD, inspired by Gabriel. So Gabe goes out there every day and works on his basketball game. And remember the doctor said to me when he was a kid, he'll never hit 300, he'll never lead the league in scoring. And I told you this many times, I had to do everything I could not to punch the guy across his face. Danielle was like, no, 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 look, he diagnosed Gabe, we know he's going to be okay. So, And my son knows that story. And my son has defied all odds. Not only does he go to the park and play ball, but he actually just spent a summer playing on a basketball team in the summer league at St. Francis. Brian Mullen, the whole crew. He didn't score 40 points. He didn't score 20. But he was out there every night. And it was something that we thought as a child we'd never see. And he goes every day to the park and works on his game. And he's already talking to me about trying out for the school basketball team when he goes back to school in September. And, of course, I'm all for it. So yesterday he goes to the park like he does every day. He takes his ball, sometimes with his buddy, sometimes alone, and he practices. And he hit this shot yesterday very similar to the the under-the-hoop Dr. J scoop shot. And he took video of it. And I posted it on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, and Facebook. And I have to tell you, And we know this already, I tend to cry. The response from the listeners of this show and fans all across the country is overwhelming. It is so beautiful 
the things they say about my son and about me and Danielle's parents. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, with the success this radio show is having, which is unprecedented in mornings in the history of this station, and the movies and all this stuff that you, you know, my detractors claim he's a narcissist. He only talks about himself, which, of course, is ridiculous. I've already had two great interviews. We usually interview about six people a day about issues. Nothing to do with me. So, yeah, I'll do a segment like this. It's all about me. So what? I guess what I'm saying is my son and you folks out there, when you say stuff like that, it makes it all worth it. It makes it all worth it. So if you were one of the many who actually posted something on that video that I put up yesterday, I speak on behalf of me and Danielle and Ava and Gabe. Thank you very much. Joseph Takapina coming up next. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Trump's lawyers have got to petition the federal court system in Florida, not in D.C., that Donald Trump's civil rights are being violated, that this is a malicious prosecution coming from four different venues, that it's coordinated political designed to take him out of the 2024 race. Now, I don't have a law degree. I was at Harvard when Dershowitz was there studying public administration. I did make fun of Dershowitz every hour on the hour, <laughs> okay, when I was in Cambridge. Yeah. And I'm not a lawyer, but I am an American. And I believe that this is a coordinated effort to take Trump off the table and destroy him. And the powers of the state, local, and federal government are coordinating to do it in unison. So the lawyers for Trump file a civil rights lawsuit that has to be heard. Then you're into the system. And if you lose at the appellate level or whatever, you can't appeal. You see what I'm talking about? 100%. I can't believe they haven't done it already. I mean, I know he came back and he sued E. Jean Carroll after her initial lawsuit. Yeah, all right. But, that, that, but, no, I know, but I, but I can't believe he hasn't done this already because it just makes so much just, sense. You call up your guys, Takapina yeah. and Adalia, yep. and, and see if I'm wrong, because I'm not. Well, when Bill O'Reilly asked me to do something, I'd do it. He said, call up your guy, Takapina, and I doubt you. <laughs> so with that said, here he is, my dear friend of 46 years, so proud of this guy. And, yes, one of Donald Trump's main attorneys, the aforementioned Joseph Takapina. Jojo, you heard O'Reilly there talk about a civil rights suit I don't know if it's possible. I'm not even sure if it's winnable or if it's something you would even consider. Is O'Reilly just kind of grasping there, or is that what he said? Does it make any sense? It makes sense from a person's standpoint, Sid. It makes sense from an American standpoint where, to the obvious, if you're not partisan or biased, or if you put that to the side, wherever side of the aisle you lay on, and you just look at this, it is clearly clearly a coordinated effort to keep him out of the White House. Um, the timing. I mean, none of these things had to happen now, right? There's five-year statute of limitations. I mean, this thing could have gone on for five more years. I mean, the timing of it all, 
is and, and, and the coordinated efforts show clearly that this is all about an attempt to keep him around the White House. Now, that being said, there's a difference from us all saying that on the radio or us feeling that and us believing that and us even knowing it to be true than going into a, a federal court and arguing that based on evidence, right? And that's the problem. Look, uh, uh, we have to be careful about that kind of stuff because the judge in D.C. already ruled in, in regards to there being a political motivation behind that case, she already, in the first court appearance, said, I find no evidence of that. There's no evidence of that. Now, listen, we all know that this judge has been appointed by Obama and really not a big fan of the president's. But that being said, we cannot go into court, myself or Todd or any of the lawyers working for the president. There's a squadron of us, right, in different cases and whatnot without evidence to back that up. That's sort of what happened with Rudy Giuliani when he went to court with the the election fraud claims. He got bounced out of court. He got sanctioned. He got disbarred. Um, so you can't – you can say – look, we all know what, what Bill O'Reilly said is right. The difference is going into a federal court to say it's a coordinated effort, right. and here's the evidence of it. Difficult. And what's the evidence yeah, of can't it? Can't do it. No, it's we, much we all know yeah. it's not – Saying we all know is not the evidence. We'd have to get hardcore evidence like recordings, conversations, text messages, emails, something like that. And that may come out in time. That may come out in time. The time is just not right now. But, Sid, I want to just ask, start off this, this segment with a question. That's a, it's like a, a riddle. What do John Gotti, John Dillinger, El Chapo, and Pablo Escobar have in common? I'm going to go with the same thing that uh, Donald Trump has. never been indicted for They've never been indicted four times. That's what they have in common. Oh, my I mean, God. Is that right? <laughs> no, none of them have been indicted well, you know, it's, it's four interesting. times. That's funny. I mean, you talk about four of the biggest crime lords yeah. in, in, in modern history. Yeah. Right? Really think about that. Wow. And Donald Trump has been indicted four times in the matter of months. Joke. What a joke. And you mentioned. coordinated effort. Come on. Yeah. You mentioned Gotti and. You were on last week, and when you started this amazing career of yours, now you're the most recognizable defense attorney in the world, but you started off as a prosecutor. But when you started doing defense work, you were sitting there right next to Bruce Cutler in those courtrooms up against John Gotti. And even before that, Joseph, when we were little, little kids, a guy named Moody Giuliani was able to put away five major, all the major crime bosses, all five in yep. one day, Rico Axe and racketeering. And then... You know, you talk about uh, Trump compared to these other guys, including Gotti. You were there for Gotti. How in the world is this dopey DA in Georgia, how in the world is she able to attach a racketeering charge, which is basically out there for guys like John Gotti, to President Trump, and have anybody take her seriously? Yeah, you know, it, it is. It's We really have, have, have lost sort of perspective when you start applying – Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organization Acts, which is what that is, which was really initiated and born out of the need to cripple the American mafia um, to go after. Because what it allows for, what that really allows for is that the, the, you know, the bosses, so to speak, to be held liable for the acts of their underlings. Because that's how bosses always got away with these things. They, for decades, would 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 have other people do their dirty work, and their hands were not on it. They were not the scene of the crime, and and that was it. Um, what what RICO does is is allow bosses to to you know be held reli- responsible for the conduct of subordinates within their criminal organizations. To apply that here is is to to really what she is alleging, and not no uncertain terms. 
that Trump, along with 18 others, participated in a criminal enterprise to criminal enterprise to change the 2020 president. <laughs> so, 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 wait, so in this case, it, so in this case, right, Donald Trump is John Gotti in this case, and Rudy Giuliani is Sammy the Bull? <laughs> yes, I mean, exactly. You got it. Rudy, Sammy the Bull, he's called the number one. Correct. Correct. And we all know how that worked out for John Gotti, right? So, um, but Jesus, I mean, it's, it's like, what, what, and, and by, by the way, you know, it, it's not that simple. For the prosecutor, okay, it, it's broad. This this is a much broader case. Look, this case here, the George said. I don't know if you remember this, but two years ago, before I was even representing the president, I, I mean, I said to me, this case was the one I thought had the most teeth, was going to be the most probable to go forward. Never imagining these other things could, only because of the recorded call. And and, and look, I, there's an innocent explanation I call 100 percent every day of the week. Um, but this is a case that you know, is the most, by far the most ambitious and sweeping case brought against President Trump. Um, and, and it's going to pose, by oh, the wait, way, wait, wait a second. Wait, 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 you're going to tell me, this, wait, you're going to tell me this case is more ambitious than the Alvin Bragg case? No, Alvin Bragg case is a joke. I don't mean, I mean, count as a case. That's not ambitious. That's incompetent <laughs> put into papers. I mean, that's a case. There is no crime. There's there's irregularities in personal bookkeeping that affected no one, not tax purposes, never filed anywhere. You call what you want, but there was no crime. There was nothing illegal. There was no lies. There was no. The only thing he was doing was preventing uh, a scandalous alleged affair, which he denies from coming out to uh, prevent embarrassing his family. That doesn't violate FEC, the federal election campaign laws, not by a long stretch. Every FEC chairman has already told us that and said that publicly. So that case is not even ambitious. That's just like ridiculous. Right. This is, and when I say ambitious, I mean there's a case where there's 19 people charged in a racketeering organization. I mean, it's like the, they call them basically this the Trump crime family. Um, and 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 that's that's why I say when I say ambitious, that's what I mean by ambitious. I don't mean competent or viable, but it's ambitious. And by the way, there there this this case is going to be challenged a million different ways till Tuesday because the Rico George's Rico statute. Um, is, is, is not that simple to interpret. There's cases that are going on now where all these rappers in Atlanta, Young Thug and that group, were indicted by the same DA. That case was indicted about a year and a half ago, maybe, maybe even more. Um, they're still in, in pretrial motions on a lot of these cases because there are so many challenges to so many different elements of the of the alleged charges. So this is, this is just a, an incredible, incredible moment here. And it just goes to show you the piling on is absolutely ridiculous. How is he going to look as strong as he is? How is how is he going to be able to focus on the message that the people of this country need to hear from a, from a candidate when he's facing four daunting indictments? And, and the last yeah. of which, you know, the thing with the Georgia case, too, look, the federal cases, when he wins, he could pardon himself if there's a conviction or he could even stop the investigation or the case if he wins and there is no trial. Um, that's all, that's all, you know, a possibility in Georgia. Uh, there's a prominent feature in the racketeering laws in Georgia, Sid, and this is scary. The conviction comes with a mandatory minimum sentence of five years, mandatory. So if he's convicted there, he's going to jail. Right. Now, I don't think he's going to be convicted, of course. Um, but, but that's, that's what that law holds down there. And because it's a state offense, not a federal offense, he doesn't have the ability to pardon himself. So this is the case that I think we have to keep our eye on the most. Mm. The other cases, I, you know, there are legal challenges there and, and left and right. What he has to do here 
is try and get this into federal court. That's what he has to do, um, because he'll never get a fair trial in, mm-hmm. in Fulton County. Um, they, you know, it's like I know, but let me, let, me, let me tell people a second. This is the great Joseph Takapina, and, and really a fascinating conversation, Joseph. I'm so glad you're on today. You know, we've uh, first of all, uh, have you talked to him? I know Alina Hobb is on TV every five seconds with the eye makeup. Have you talked to President Trump uh, since his latest indictment? Yes, we've uh, we've communicated. Okay. And, um, yeah. uh, well, you know, let, let's put it this way: not in in in. He's a fighter, not like broken by any stretch, but furious is yeah. an understatement. Yeah, I figured that. So, you know, you talk about we have to move this Georgia case. From state to federal. And I've heard, well, the Washington, D.C. case, the uh, January 6th, we got to get rid of that judge. He's an Obama appointee. And we got to we got to move that case. Trump has said this from D.C. to West Virginia. Uh, we've heard about, you know, we wanted Kaplan off the case in New York. We want venue changes all over the place. And it turns out that, to be honest, it ain't going to happen. What are the odds of this happening, moving this from state to federal in Georgia? This one's different. I'll tell you why. The D.C. case is just a matter of, of, of wanting a different jurisdiction. That's not going to happen, okay? This judge is not going to recuse herself, okay? So, so remember, the judge has to recuse themselves at this level. At this level, the judge makes the decision to recuse themselves. So if that were the case, they would have recused themselves before they came into the case if they thought there was a conflict. So that's not going to happen. I'm just being – I'm calling balls and strikes here. I'm not being an advocate at this moment. Um, that's not going to happen. The reason it's different here – in this particular case, the Georgia case, is is this, first of all, will delay the proceedings, but but this would actually be something where, um, remember, the hush money case, the one I'm involved in in New York, we tried to move that to federal court. It was denied, um, and it was denied on the grounds that President Trump wasn't carrying out his presidential duties in the alleged hush money scheme. Of course, it was before he was even president, right? So... He has much stronger arguments in this case, moving the Georgia case to federal court, because it's much more directly tied to the presidency and his acts as a president, because he believed in his mind he was protecting the Constitution and, and the voting system. So the, the, a trial in federal court would be a huge advantage for President Trump in this case. Gotcha. And, and, and I think there is a if, if there's any case that has a chance to, to be moved, removed to federal court, this is the one. Gotcha. Has uh, Rudy called you to represent him yet? <laughs> no, 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 no. He no, needs to do that conflict. And, and for everything I read, poor Rudy doesn't have a dollar um, to represent yeah, himself. And it's sad. It's, it's like I, that guy's been, you know, I, I, I don't believe anything I read almost anything so when it comes to Donald Trump, President Trump. Rudy or any of these other people. I, I just don't because there's such a, a, a bias in the media yep. against these guys. And, you know, look, I felt it when I was representing him in that trial. I mean, Jesus, the, the left wing media will do anything they can to try and to try and attack, regardless of the facts. The days of editorial oversight are so far, long gone. I mean, they blew past that, you know, exit ramp a long time ago. Yeah. Yep. And, and so if you read about Rudy, I mean, how, this guy's being sued by about a dozen different people, you know, has legal fees that are insurmountable, um, you know, hasn't apparently been paid for some things he's done, and now he's got a major, major racketeering indictment in a different state where no lawyer is doing that, you know, for free or to represent Rudy. I mean, it's it's going to have – there's a lot of work that – this case is an enormous undertaking, enormous yeah. undertaking. Well, he admitted it to me. He was on the show. He need a, a Georgia yeah. lawyer. He was on the show a couple of days ago, and he admitted. He said, look, because there was a story in the New York Daily News last week that he's – 
putting up this apartment in New York for sale for $6 million. He said, I've done that years ago, but said, to be honest, yes. He said, I'm getting crushed. I'm getting crushed financially. So, uh, And he's a wonderful man. You're right. Uh, what they're doing to all these I guys is I gross. Feel, I, I do. I feel, so I, feel bad. I feel really bad for him. I've Me heard too. stories I'm not going to share because they're personal in nature. Um, but, but I feel really, really bad for him and what he's gone Me through too. and what he's going through. And, he, and, and the reason he's even in this boat is because he's a fighter. He did it because he believed in something or he was fighting for his friend. He's a, a loyal friend, which I respect more than anything. Um, and he was a, it was a pit bull. And, you know, it didn't, you know, turn out in his favor. Um, but, you know, it's just it seems like he's uh, an easy pinata right now. And, uh, yeah, I hate to see that. This was one of your greatest interviews ever. I mean, uh, you're great every week. Don't get me wrong. You're, you're, you're not good. You're great. But this was fantastic. So, Thank you. I love you. Keep up the good fight for uh, our president, the fine people of America. And we'll talk again very, very soon. Spectacular job, Tack. You got it, brother. Oh, man. Joseph Tacopina. That was great. Oh, this for you, Tack. Little Beastie Boys. He loves the Beastie Boys. We got a big 8 o'clock hour coming up talking about President Trump. I finally watched six years later on Netflix, Trump and American Dream. It's unbelievable. And the man who's got a big role in that and remains good friends with Donald Trump to this day also does a two-hour show on this station every Sunday. Roger Stone going to join me as well as the great Congressman Peter King. Big 8 o'clock hour about to come your way. Sitting friends in the morning. Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Madonna celebrating her 65th birthday today like a virgin. I love this song. I love the whole tour. Madonna. She looks terrible. Her surgery was... She's getting to that Mickey Rourke stage. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's really difficult. It's really rough. Right out of a horror movie. I mean, it's, terrible. it's rough, I know. Looks but like American Horror Story. All right, leave her alone, yeah. goddammit. It's Madonna. Jeez. Okay. She's part of Americana. Stop it. I'll bring her up on the screen. Don't you. bring her up anymore. Leave her alone. <laughs> Madonna. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, happy birthday to Madonna. Before I get to Roger Stone, I, I want to punch that little leprechaun, Pat Kiernan, <laughs> right across his face. And he better not bump into me in the city this uh, 
And you know he follows me on Twitter, and every now and then he says something nice, but he's a little jerk-off. I'm not sure you could run around calling people <laughs> leprechauns. What's he going to do about him? No, he, well, he you want to sue me, too? Go ahead. I'll get Takapina on the phone right now. Indict me for racketeering. I don't care. So this little bastard, he's covering the, the Rudy Giuliani story for New York One. And who does he bring on? Andrew Kurtzman. Andrew Kurtzman just wrote a book, The Rise and Fall of America's Mayor. He hates Rudy Giuliani. That's how Pat Kiernan in New York is going to cover our beloved mayor, that little. Hold on. Hold on. Deep breaths. I'm getting pissed between Trump and Giuliani, man. And this is Pat Kiernan. He lives in New York. New York won between Errol Lewis, that racist piece of garbage, and Pat Kiernan. They ought to shut that thing down. And, and Fat uh, Stelter's wife. And even Dean Meminger, his father was a Nick hero, even him. they got to shut the whole thing down today. Get rid of it. Just shut it down. Get, get, give Shannon Ferry a job. She's a nice girl, and she's talented. Get Shannon Ferry a job somewhere and shut the rest of it down today. That's right. Take her out of there and get Andrew rid of Kurtzman, are you nuts, Noam? Uh, that is a little crazy. That's, that's the guy you bring on as your authority on Rudy yeah. Giuliani. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. How about bringing on some of the... Widows from the firefighters that he went to funerals for for weeks and months and months after they died on 9-11. We're only about a month away from 9-11. How about doing that, prick face? All right, let me talk to Roger. <laughs> I like Roger Stone. I don't, I don't even know him that well, but Morano loves him. This guy, Sal Greco, loves him. I don't really know him that well. He was on me and Bernie a bunch of times, and I felt bad when they raided his house, the whole SWAT team. And uh, he's on this station two hours on Sunday, and I don't, I don't have to say nice things about anybody. I don't. But he's really good, like really good. And uh, he's kind enough to join me today because I watched this Trump Netflix thing. I have to watch his. I know, get Roger Stone. But I watched the uh, Trump American Dream, and Roger Stone was so good in it that I texted him right away last night. So here he is, my friend Roger Stone, 3 to 5 on Sundays. Hi, Roger. Shane, great to be with you. I want you to know right now I'm wearing a red beret in solidarity with Curtis Sliwa in Love his it. effort to point out the flood of illegals that are destroying the Big Apple. Well, listen, Roger, you have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, A, uh, you're not afraid to show what a great American you are. B, you are certainly not afraid to chain yourself to a fence. And C, you are not afraid to get arrested. You've done that. So you're perfect for tonight. Uh, It is a great experience to uh, have uh, 29 fully SWAT-clad FBI (laughs) agents brandishing fully automatic uh, M4 assault weapons surround and storm your home at 6 o'clock in the morning to arrest you for the completely fabricated crime of lying to Congress under oath in your voluntary testimony against Russian collusion that never actually happened. How do you lie about something that never happened? Uh, the whole idea was to pressure me to to lie, essentially, to give false testimony against Donald Trump. I refused to do it. I must tell you, I have no regrets whatsoever. Good. It's been a rough couple of years, but I love being on WABC. Folks can hear us uh, every Sunday afternoon from 3 to 5. Coming up this Sunday, we have country and Western legend Lee Greenwood, uh, Florida Congressman uh, Byron Donalds. Uh, this guy is a superstar. He's going to be president someday, mark my words. And uh, Garrett Ziegler from the Marco Polo yes. Foundation is going to break down the, the Hunter Biden laptops for us. That is a big show. show. Yeah, we had Lee in here about a month ago singing 
his song live in studio. He was great. And uh, Byron will be the third black president joining Barack Obama and, of course, Bill Clinton uh, when he does actually get that like you're talking about. So, Raj, I want to get to the, the Trump special. But first, before we get to that, the Netflix documentary, you talked about how you were unfairly treated. You were. It was ridiculous. Uh, overuse of power, manpower, weaponry uh, down in Fort Lauderdale. But as unfair as that was, and it was. What's going on with Donald Trump right now is so beyond unfair. It is un-American. It's scary. It's undemocratic. It's grotesque. Four indictments, as Joe Takapina pointed out on this show about 30 minutes ago. John Gotti wasn't indicted four times. Pablo Escobar wasn't indicted four times. John Dillinger wasn't indicted four times. But President Trump, four indictments. Unreal, huh, Raj? Yeah, and every single one of them is a fugazi. There's not a real legal charge here. This Georgia clown show is beyond belief. By the way, did I mention that Fannie Wills is running for re-election? She <laughs> slaps her name on everything, for God's sakes. She's out actively fundraising. I got a fundraising email from her yesterday. Give me money so I can help lock up Donald Trump. Uh, now you got the sheriff saying, oh, yes, absolutely, we're going to get a mugshot. If I were running Trump's campaign, which I am not, I'd have that mugshot up on a T-shirt and rake in thousands of dollars in campaign contributions within 24 hours, maybe millions. You're right. I would do the same thing. And, uh, well, maybe somebody's listening and they will do that. But you, as we talk about uh, the former president and all these indictments, one thing I didn't know, and, and don't forget, for, for many years, my career was sports, Roger. I worked at WFAN here in New York, the industry leader in sports talk radio from day one. I spent my days talking about the Mets, Eli Manning and Carmelo Anthony, not Donald Trump. It wasn't until 2013 down in Florida where I started to transition from sports to politics, and I got the job here in 2016, and I spent basically the last seven years discussing exclusively politics. So I didn't really know the history of Donald Trump, but watching this documentary, which is now seven years old. It's not new. It's seven years old. But watching it for the first time on Netflix, I didn't realize that Donald Trump really did flirt with the presidency for 30 years, 88, 2000, 2012, 2016. And, Roger, watching that documentary, you were there pretty much every step of the way. This has been pretty much 30 years. Isn't that right? That's absolutely right. First time I met him, uh, I saw immediately that he had the size uh, and the stature uh, and the cojones uh, and the independence to not only be a great candidate for president, but actually be be a great president. Uh, and I thought most importantly was the independence, although he uh, and his parents were lifelong Republicans. He wasn't tied to any of the mistakes uh, of the past. He had, as en- most billionaires do, he had given to both Republicans and Democrats. He never really called in any favors because he didn't need any. Uh, But I saw that he was decisive. And above all, I saw how tough he is. I mean, I traveled with him for four days about two weeks ago. uh, And for a guy with the weight of the world on his shoulders, it's just amazing how resilient, how resolute, how determined, how good humored he is. I think a lesser man would have folded by now. But he's in a great mood. I think he's in his best when he's in crisis. Uh, He's a warrior. Uh, and he will not be deterred. This guy is going back to the White House. They can throw up as many fake investigations and fake indictments as they want. This latest one said, I've read the transcript 
I've listened to the entire audio of the uh, phone call around which this whole thing is array is is uh, uh, structured. It's a phone call between Secretary of State Raffensperger and Donald Trump. There's six other lawyers on the line. He did not tell Raffensperger go out and find eleven thousand eight hundred and seventy voters. What he told him was, "You have already illegally counted." 11,870 votes that are not not solid. So many of them are convicted felons. So many of them uh, uh, registered to vote from post office boxes. These uh, another 1,300 are dead. Uh, when you remove the ones that you have inadvertently illegally counted, I would win the state. That's right. before you even right. get into the question of the accuracy of the machines. Uh, and then everything after that that make it a RICO, oh, he tweeted that the uh, – that, that that when the water pipe burst and they moved the Republican observers out of the counting center in Atlanta and when they put cardboard over the windows so nobody could watch the counting that was continuing, that was a lie. The problem is that is the truth, and we have video yep. of it. Yep. So who are they fooling? Who are they kidding? Nobody. Well, they're not going to kid us, I'll tell you that. Uh, one more thing uh, about the, the special, and, uh, again, you've been there every step of the way. 88, of course, uh, Bush. Uh, 88 was uh, Clinton, excuse me. But in uh, 2000, when he was thinking about hopping on as a reform candidate after the success that um, uh, 90, 1996 Ross Perot had, this was fascinating to me. So I don't know if you know this, Roger Stone, but my first cousin, first cousin is Norm Coleman. And uh, Norman Coleman was the mayor of St. Paul for eight years. He was a senator from the great state of Minnesota. He eventually lost to Al Franken. But Norm also lost a gubernatorial race in Minnesota, came in second place. He beat Hubert Humphrey to Jesse Ventura. And I had no idea, because I still talk to Jesse to this day, because he likes to break my chops about my cousin. I had no idea that Donald Trump paid so much attention to Ventura's win in Minnesota, because Ventura started polling at 7%. He was a wrestler. They laughed at him like they laughed at Trump, and he won. And I had no idea, Roger, that Trump traveled to Minnesota and sat with Ventura and his people, not about policy, but how to strategize and win. Turns out, I guess, that Jesse Ventura played a pretty major role, yes? Yes, I was at that meeting. In fact, since Ross Perot and Donald Trump were friends, you know how all these billionaires know each other, uh, and Ross had run so strongly in his two runs for president that the Reform Party automatically had ballot position in 30 states, in New York State being one of them under the Independence Party at the time. Uh, and both Ross Perot uh, and Jesse, who had wrestled at, at uh, the Trump Plaza in Atlantic City and was therefore pals with Trump, we're pressing Trump very, very hard. Actually, he was there. It was a much bigger deal. He was there for WrestleMania, and he was calling out exactly. Hulk Hogan with Donald Trump standing right next to him. Exactly right. So uh, Trump looked very long and hard at it. The media kept saying, this is a, this is a publicity stunt. This is just Trump trying to burnish the, the, the brand. None of that's true. We probably spent about $25 million studying how to get on the ballot in all 50 states. But in the end... Donald Trump concluded that you could not win as a third-party candidate, that right. he probably would just draw uh, uh, enough votes uh, from George W. Bush to inadvertently elect Al Gore. He didn't like that idea at all. <laughs> and in the end, he said, look, I think, you got, I, think I want to do this. 
but I want to do it either as a Republican or as a Democrat. And then he used to needle me for years and say, well, maybe I'll do it as a Democrat. He knew that. Would right. He knew. Right. And then, of course, uh, Pat Buchanan was a guy that eventually won that Reform Party primary. But it wouldn't matter. Like you said, Trump was right. Last one uh, in that uh, documentary, they go over the whole Trump who was very nice when Obama won. He was on Larry King that Obama won. And he said, let me tell you, Obama's a nice guy. I like him. I wish him the best of luck. He's, he's coming into a very difficult situation. The economy sucks. The country's in trouble. But I think he's a great guy. That's how Trump started. But then he got into the birth certificate stuff. And clearly that angered Obama to the point where in 2011, right before the Obama-Romney election, Obama spent that White House correspondence dinner basically trashing Trump. And I think you say in that special, Trump left early, he was pissed, and you guys all knew that day, sometime in the near future, he was going to run. I didn't do it that year. It was Obama versus Romney, but he did decide four years later. So is it fair to say the Obama White House Correspondents Dinner speech really lit a fire under Trump's ass? That, that was a seminal moment, Sid. If you know Donald Trump, as I have for 45 years, he sat there and smiled, but he set his jaw in a certain way that I knew uh, that shortly thereafter um, he would uh, he would run for president, that he had immediate uh, seller's remorse after he endorsed Mitt Romney. After every debate, he would call me and say, what's wrong with this guy? Why doesn't he ever go for the jugular? On New Year's Day, that at, right after that November election, he called me and he said, that's it. I am definitely going in 2016. I said, well, you know, I've heard this before. And he said, no, no, I've already applied to the patent office to trademark the term make America great again. So, so you're telling and me he, that you're telling me he actually patented that four years, four years before he came down the escalator. Uh, he applied for the patent. That is absolutely right. I knew from that moment that he would run, uh, whether Hillary ran or not. At that point, it was pretty clear she was going to. Uh, He's a very determined guy. For those who think that he was always just, you know, doing this as a publicity stunt, that was never true. He loves his country. Uh, He he couldn't believe that we kept sending social workers to do our negotiating for us. He kept saying, we're being ripped off by our trading partners in all of these international trading deals. We're getting taken to the cleaners. Uh, our military is being allowed to atrophy, uh, and, and we don't win anything anymore. That's not the America Donald Trump loves. Uh, and he was determined from the beginning, uh, which is why I think he was a great president. Uh, record job growth, record wage growth, uh, record levels of unemployment, rebuilding our military, appointing scores of conservatives to the federal courts. And why I think you'll be a great president yet again. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I saw that interview with Larry King back in 1987. You're talking Roger Stone 36 years ago. And he was saying a lot of the similar things he says right now about the country. And I saw then, 36 years ago, he had that presidential style. Well, I got to tell you, I- I'm a huge fan of yours. Your show on Sundays, 3 to 5, is great. You bring a great perspective, both what's going on today and historically. So once again, Roger Stone, thank you so much for hopping on this morning. That's a terrific job. Thank you. Sid, always great to be with you, man. Thanks, and God bless you. God bless you, too. That's my man. I love this guy, Roger Stone. Check him out, folks. He's really good. Three to five every Sunday. We'll come back. We've got Tunnel to Tower. We've got Peter King. Lots more to do. Hump Day edition on Madonna's birthday. Sid and friends. Good morning.
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From our friends. 77 WABC. Kevin Breslin is also friends with Pete King, who's set to join me in about 10 minutes. Just send me something about Tucker Carlson. I don't know. Where is Tucker Carlson? He's still doing that nonsense on Twitter. Is that where he is? Yeah. He's still threatening to sue everybody. And I don't know about that, but I, you know. yeah, he's on Twitter. Well, Jesse's my guy, so. Okay. Although, you know, I, uh, Waters reached out to me. I told you this. Unprovoked a couple of weeks ago. Because it turns out Jesse Waters' father-in-law... Is a huge fan of the show. He listens every day. I wish I knew his name, but Jesse didn't tell me. Jesse's kind of odd about that whole thing. It's weird. So he texts me. He's never texted me before. Been on the show a couple of times, you know, monthly. And he goes, my father-in-law loves the show, and he wants to go see the Gemini Lounge with you. And then I, I sent Jesse the invitation to me and Bill O'Reilly together, and he said, oh, my God, he's really going to want to go to this. I said, well, I'll tell you what, send me your dad's name, and I'll make sure Bill and I put aside two tickets. If you want to come, Jesse, you too. I never heard back. So about three days ago, I text Jesse, because he moved to 8 o'clock. He replaced, you know, Tucker. And, you know, replaced him, Tucker left, and he's there now. And I said, uh, you know, it's been a while. When are you bringing me back? I'm you know, Big ratings when I come on, you know. And he said, hang tight. And that was it. Hang tight. Nice, fine. He, at least he answered me back, but uh, I'm not going to beg the. Are these guys nuts? I mean, I know Jesse gets like two and a half million people a night, and I love Jesse. I think he's a very talented guy. I think right now at Fox, he's the best they've got. I really do believe that. Yeah, but Sid Rosenberg and Hang Tight don't belong. No, I mean, give me a break. Are you nuts? I have millions of people <laughs> listening every week. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in New York, not talking to some you know guy with six teeth in Wisconsin. Eating spam and his fat wife a couple of feet away, you know. Come on, man. This is New York City, number one. They should be asking me to come on. I was on Lawrence Jones a couple of weeks ago, Saturday night. I killed it. Killed it. Every time I go on Kill Me, they get huge ratings. Every time. I'm just not going to ask. I, don't, I just don't care enough. So I'm not going to ask. You want to bring me on? Great. You don't. I don't care. What does it mean to me? Well, now that you've been talking about it for three and a half minutes. Don't worry. Fine. 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 You know, just because I say I don't care. Doesn't mean you do. What? Tom Sloan checks in. (laughs) I hate you, Lewis. I do. Now I know why I'm as hated you all these years. Now I know why. It's very easy to hate. Tom Sloan, who's another American hero, really is. Secret Service guy. He's been great to me and my family. And uh, he gave me the guy's name. I'm not sure if I should uh, say it, though. His name is Greg. That's all I'll say. Jesse's father-in-law. You know his whole name. He says, friend of mine, 
and uh, I'm sure he's listening right now. So, but I'm just saying, you know, if you don't want to, you get the same people on. You remember I had a fight with um, Sebastian Gorka. Yep, couple I remember of, that one. You remember that, Lou? Oh, sure. And I ripped him a new anus too. Yep. And then he apologized to me on Twitter, like the like an hour later. Can't Swear to God, he apologized. Yep, can't have too many anuses. That's all. <laughs> I've got four on this show. Um, See? I guess, boy, did I set you up for that one. Gorka is coming on on Friday. He's a big Trump guy. He's, he's good for this show. So Sebastian Gorka coming up on Friday. Uh, Sid did a good job with that. I asked for Dan Bongino and Gorka, and we got Gorka. He was on a long, long time ago. He was on a long Fine. time ago, yes. And then he was on Sean Hannity's show. I'm like, enough. But he really enjoyed himself on, on he, this show. He did. He loved this show. Which is why when I reached out to him the second time, I thought it would be a, a Slam no dunk. Slam dunk. Totally agree. And he was just kind These guys, of... they don't get it. They think they're a big deal because they're on Truth Social mm-hmm. or Sean Hannity brings them on his, uh, his uh, TV show. Compared to this, it's nothing. It's nothing. Nonsense. So... That's my uh, editorial for the morning. Yeah, you don't care. <laughs> don't care. I don't care. Good. I just have to, listen, I'm on the air for four hours. Got to say I'm something. To, right, I have to say something, but it doesn't mean I care. It's not like I'm yelling right now, am I? No. What? <laughs> Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Five years ago today, we lost this great lady, Aretha Franklin. She was 76 years old. Respect. So before I get to a man I do respect and love, Peter King, Mr. Nassau County, Mr. Long Island, Mr. Homeland Security, just an unbelievable politician, him and Rudy, the two best locally in my lifetime. I do want to go to Noam Layden. Noam, anything new on uh, the Rex Uerman case? Uh, the big story out of the Rex Uerman case is they took him off suicide watch. They took him off suicide yeah. watch? Well, after what happened to Jeffrey Epstein, why would they do that? Well, maybe you're answering your own question there. <laughs> Does he know something? Or who knows he knows everything. Going- yeah. In fact, he knows more about the crooked Suffolk County Police Department at that time. Not now. Not with Rodney and Ray. But he knows more about those guys than me and Curtis combined. And what reason does he have to live right now, right? None. Yeah. He's going to be dead soon. That's it. They're going to, they're going to take him out. <laughs> Keep your eye on that one. Anyway, here he is, my dear friend, Congressman Peter King. Pete, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, sir. But let me go right to that, okay? That was a totally unfair shot that Noam took at uh, Errol Tool on the sheriff. He was taken off suicide watch. That's a decision by the health officials. There are two correction officers watching him all the time. And for anyone to even suggest that Errol Tool will be involved in something like that, there's disgrace. I think WABC uh, should give an apology right now. Errol Tulon. You cannot find a more dedicated law enforcement officer anywhere in this country. He's phenomenal. He's great. I was with him to dinner last night. Yeah. He's going through everything on this case. So that is really a cheap shot, and I resent it. I really do, because I know him. I know him well. I know his wife. I know his record. And also, as far as uh, uh, Ewan, whatever his name is, knowing him, he knows nothing about the Suffolk County Police. That's another ridiculous thing 
Don't listen to Curtis. He knows nothing about this. Pete, I love you to death. He's been more right than you've been throughout this no, whole thing. He yes, he has. has. Dating back to, to Burke, 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 no, that low life and what he did. Wrong. No, 100% wrong. right. Yes, 100% what? right. What was 100% right? Burke and his involvement and, and the and the, and the the DA at the no time. They, they went to prison. Peter, they went. you got to stop defending people who went to no, no, prison. Not, you sound man, silly. I'm they went to prison. I know, and you don't know. You have no idea. No, no, no. no Pete, Pete, you can say I don't know all you want. That doesn't mean you're right. You're defending guys not, that went to prison, Peter King. How does that make sense? You sound ridiculous. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, they went, went to prison. Roger Stone went to he prison. Was, he was arrested unfairly, not those two scumbags in your no, town. No, you the scumbags. Yeah, scumbags. You keep quiet for a minute and listen to me. Jimmy Burke, what he was accused of, had nothing to Jimmy do with Jimmy Burke is a low-life scumbag. Don't defend him. Please don't defend him on this show. Sure. You want to do it someplace else, do it. Not here. Not here. I'm telling no. you. Hold on, hold on. No, I'm I don't care. No, 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 no. No, no, you hold I'm on. You, you hold on. Put him on hold for a second. I am not going to allow Peter King to defend Jimmy Burke on this show. I don't care how much I love him, how many years he served in Congress. I am not going to allow him to, to, to take a, a police guy who was banging prostitutes, walking around with dildos, hanging out at Oak Beach. I'm not going to let it happen. It's nice that Peter's loyal to his friends. Ain't going to happen here. Back into this. In the morning, 77 WABC. All right. Back here on Sit and Friends. Get back to Peter. Talk about something. Something else. Just leave it at that. In fact, I do want to get to this uh, RFK stuff. Because Peter happens to be friend. He was friendly with Jimmy Breslin. And uh, the Breslin's kid, Kevin, who I become friendly with, is very close with Peter. He doesn't leave me alone about this RFK. This RFK's got no chance. He's dead. Oh, he's pulling at 20%. And so let's get Peter's opinion on that. Peter, welcome back. Uh, our mutual friend Kevin Breslin on and on about RFK. And after the comments he made that were taken by some as anti-Semitic, I know he's not an anti-Semite, but he did make remarks that were anti-Semitic, doesn't seem to be treated since then as a legitimate candidate. What are your thoughts on RFK Jr.? 
First of all, it's always a pleasure talking with you. You too. Well, well, listen, we're dear friends. We're great friends. I consider you one of my best friends. So does Danielle Avon Gaben. We had a disagreement. So what? Let's go. It's fine. Absolutely. As far as RFK, I think he is on the extreme. I think some of his views are out of touch. Having said that, you know, one point that Kevin Breslin makes is that uh, Biden and the Secret Service, they've denied security coverage to RFK Jr. And the fact is, uh, Hunter Biden gets Secret Service protection everywhere he goes. And he's uh, under indictment. He's being charged. And yet he gets the top Secret Service protection. I understand he's in the president's family. But RFK Jr. is a legitimate candidate. Whether or not he has a real chance, he's up around 20 percent. That's more than any other Democrat except for Biden. And also considering your family history, where so many Kennedys were shot and attempts made in their lives. I don't know why Joe Biden does not authorize the Secret Service to give RFK protection. As far as his views, I think they're way out of you know, the mainstream. Some of them are extreme. Other uh, you know, points he makes are good. I don't know him. I know many members of the uh, family. I knew Teddy Kennedy. I know uh, Joe Kennedy uh, Jr. and Joe Kennedy III. Gene Kennedy Smith did a great job as ambassador to Ireland. I know them well. Uh-oh. What happened there? He dropped. No call back. Maybe he's really pissed. He could be. <laughs> no, he was, I mean, he, he was, was way too uh, conversational. Excellent there about RFK Jr. Well, do we have a top of the nine here? Yeah, oh, we do. We got Mooch. Oh, uh, we got Mooch. Okay. All right, let, let, let's uh, let's take a break. Yeah. Peter can come back at nine thirty. Sure. Because I do want to ask Peter too about <laughs> we're going to fight again. We're going to fight again. I'm sick of sp- send, sending money to Ukraine. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to take every penny that this creep Joe Biden wants to send to Ukraine and send it to Maui. Every penny. I want to give our money to our people. So we're going to fight again. And um, I'm going to get hot again and put him on hold and walk around the office like I just did, threaten to punch two or three people and come back and do the show. Ah, naturally, as is a, uh, uh, every Wednesday That's here at WABC. <laughs> <laughs> you, they should have followed you, followed you with a camera up and down the hall. <laughs> if you think that is going to come on, I mean, the poor girl that sit in front, she was scared to death. I walked by yelling and screaming. She's like, what's going on? What's you, you made it all the way down to the elevator. <laughs> God, scared Sophia. Screaming. Unbelievable. Nobody knows what the heck is in your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody, Nobody knows, knows what just happens. <laughs> you know, on a serious note, I, I, I don't understand how one segment I could be crying. Like, I, I, I have so much estrogen that I'm crying about my son. And the next segment, I literally uh, want to kill somebody. It, it looked like you're, it looked like the vein in your forehead was... Well, you, 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 listen, you just can't be defending somebody. I, I know Roger Stone got arrested. I got I got arrested too, twice. Okay, great. Not for the same thing. Let's stop. I'm begging you to stop. I'm begging. I'm begging you to stop. Hey, listen, man, your show, baby. <laughs> well, if there was ever a question, to yeah, right. Barack Obama. Yeah. There's no question anymore. Okay, what can you cry about next? Al? I want to. <laughs> Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
All the messages on Twitter, Instagram, from Ellen Harris to Anthony Barbarese to a ton of folks. Don't, don't show me anything. Nah, don't, please. I, don't show me. Well, just be careful the rest of the show. Anthony Scaramucci and Norm Coleman still to come, but Mooch better be careful. Because <laughs> clearly at this point, I'm, I'm unstable. You're, yeah, I should probably be taking off the air. And throw Greg Kelly or somebody in here. I don't know. I think you had pneumococcal pneumonia or something. <laughs> worse. I don't know what that is, but because uh, that bad. word is in there. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bad. bad. It's yeah. bad. No one even knows what it is. Uh, if I hear pneumococcal one more, I hear it like ten times a morning. Well, what you have is infinite, a lot worse. infinitely worse. Yeah. It's, 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 it's <laughs> non, it, you cannot be approached. Can't be yeah. approached. <laughs> That's You know, I said, really, uh, some of this anger I've got, I'm going to go to the gym later, of course, and I, I have to do something for... Uh, for no movie, which I can't get into. But um, I should join Curtis later. It would take me 15 minutes to get arrested tonight. 15 minutes. Curtis is going to be uh, <laughs> part of this Save on Neighborhood rally. He's going to chain himself to a fence, this psycho, on Hillside <laughs> Avenue outside of Creedmoor where he belongs. He should, he should be living there. You, should, you, you and Pete King should be chained next to each other. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is... Where the whole thing went really bad with me and Peter, I mean, initially I felt like I had to defend Noam because Pete went nuts about the sheriff. Noam wasn't talking about the sheriff. Whatever, he's being funny, and it's true. I mean, most people who are not uh, friendly with these other people will tell you that he does know stuff. And just because Pete says I'm wrong doesn't mean I'm wrong. He just doesn't mean anything. You know, he's wrong. I'm wrong. I mean, it's like getting into a fight with your wife. I mean, I'm wrong. And... And all these conversations I've had, and I've spoken to Harrison, Tierney, all these people, and I say this with the utmost of love and respect for Peter King, Curtis has been more right than Peter. No one has convinced me yet that a lot of the stuff Curtis has said isn't true. And when you start to, to mention guys who went to prison, I'm not talking about going to prison with defending Donald Trump like Roger Stone or having too many tequila shots. I mean, nasty stuff. When that, when those guys become your source for the truth, you look like an asshole. And that's what we had. So say what you want about Curtis. Does he make up stuff? I, I, I don't know. The migrant crisis? Curtis has more right than Eric Adams. A lot more right than Eric Adams. And in this case, I believe Curtis is more right than wrong. I don't know if that's true. I may be wrong. But I think you guys know how much work I put into this, how seriously I take this. And I don't, it doesn't seem like, to me, like Curtis is wrong about a lot of this stuff. And by the way, if he's wrong, so what? Kind of like Donald Trump. You want to indict Donald Trump because he's wrong about the election? What kind of nonsense is that? When do we become a country where if you're thinking something and you're wrong, now you're criminally uh, liable? Well, what is that? Even if he's wrong, so what? Anyway, Chris Christie was on TV again yesterday. I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be a while. Aye, for aye, you, aye. I, think. <laughs> I used to love Chris Christie. I, I remember he was on with me and Bernie, God rest Bernie's soul, a couple years ago. And I was like, I, I got to tell you, man, genius. He's the guy that brought legal gambling to New Jersey. You know that, right? And, and Jersey makes it. I think Jersey's gone past Nevada. They make more money on. Online wagering, legal gambling in New Jersey than Vegas does. And that was all Christie. I know Phil Murphy is reaping the benefits now, but that was Christie. 
Chris, he did some good things as governor. He did some horrible things, terrible things. And, of course, I'm not even going to get into the whole stupid Bridgegate thing and laying on the beach when he closed the beaches, but his campaign is a joke. He spends his days and nights bashing Trump. I haven't heard Chris Christie tell me once why he should be president. I hear plenty of reasons why Trump shouldn't be. That's a presidential candidate. He hates Trump so much. That's, that's his platform. What are you going to do for us, Chris? What are you going to do better than what Trump? Haven't heard it yet. But something tells me my next guest, he's going to have all the answers. And um, I love this guy, but he's also delusional. It's my dear friend, Anthony Scaramucci. Good morning, Mooch. Let me ask you a question, though. I know it's your show, but i got to ask the first question. Did sure. you read the indictments? You went through the indictments? Uh, not only, not only not, not, but, well, you're asking me the question, you're still talking. You're asking me the what no, you're still talking. No, no, you just asked me the question. I read all the indictments. I speak to attorneys more than you do, more popular and, and, and powerful attorneys than you do. They're all nonsense, all of them. Okay. So, so I want to start with this. I want to have a great conversation with you because I do like you. You're a smart guy. But we've been over this before. You have a personal hard-on for Trump. It's personal. You say it's not, you're lying. It is. And I understand why you do, because I love your wife, too. And if it was my wife, I'd be pissed, too. So let's preface everything by saying that you're okay with Christie because Trump did say something that was not nice about your wife, and I respect you for this, but you've never gotten over it, and therefore you can never really be credible about Trump because you are personally if pissed. I be, if I can't be credible, why, why are you inviting me out? Of course I'm credible. Because I want to hear, because you're smart. You very clear-eyed, objective analysis oh. of Donald Trump. Forget about the personal stuff, okay? okay. You got you got two guys running, okay? You got an 80-year-old that has dementia. Right. And you got a 78-year-old that's demented. So you're, you're choosing between <laughs> dementia funny. and demented, okay? Right. So what do you want to do? You want to run the country with these guys? Come on. Take a step back and actually think about it and pretend it was a hiring process Mm -hmm. and you needed somebody to handle the infrastructure issue, Mm -hmm. the war in Ukraine, the education issue, Mm -hmm. the deficit spending issue. Mm -hmm. These are the guys. Well, I can tell you this. I can tell you this. Come on, Biden. You you may not like Christie, but you got you only got a few people that want to do this. They don't want to go through the paper. shredder. I, I got it. Anthony, oh, but, but, personal attack. but you're, well, you're not, to me in 11 days. Come you're on. not that far removed. And this is where you just, you know, I love you to pieces, but you just don't come off believable. You wrote a book about it, about, hold on. You wrote a book about a president that did all those things that you want done. You worked for the guy. You left Walker. You went to Trump. He was a great guy. It wasn't until you got fired and then he said nasty things about your wife that all of a sudden a guy which you deemed the greatest gotta, president gotta, ever gotta, became a bad president. You got to state the facts, though. So come on, you got to be fair. Isn't that yeah. I, when I got fired, I didn't turn on Trump. I went out for two years and supported him when I got fired. I didn't turn on Trump when I got fired. You got to state the facts. Okay. I wrote the book. He did not like the book. In the book, if you read the book, there were things in the book that I said that were not right. The press is not the enemy of the people. Believe it or not, you have a radio show. You're a member of the press. Every morning you're exercising your right to the First Amendment. Trump says the press is the enemy of the people. He's it's right. not the enemy of the people. Yeah, they are. They're the enemy of the people? Okay. Well, you see you're wrong because that's how you end up with a fascist country. That's what we have. That's, uh, Anthony, 99% of the oh, media no. are fascist, no. socialist, communists, and are exactly what Donald no. Trump says they are. 
this is why things are great, okay? Because you're goo goots, okay? You remember what Tony Soprano would say? You're goo goots. Oh, I'm, I'm stating fact. No, no, wait a second. Sure. What? Not, yes, stating fact. Ninety-nine yeah. percent of the press. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, even if they were, it doesn't matter. Well, that's a the founding story. fathers put the amendment in place for three reasons. Number one, mm-hmm. to check the people in power. Number two, to allow for creativity, which leads to great prosperity and innovation. Right. You got to teach your kids that they can speak freely, so they can go and create Facebook. The Chinese are stealing our stuff. Mm-hmm. They tell their kids they can't speak about their leaders, so they go into concentration camps. They right. can't invent the way our children can. And the third thing, and the most important thing, it is right back to the foundation stone in Jerusalem, going right through the Western canon of liberalism, the freedom of expression is your base freedom. It's your God-given right to liberty. So you got to have a free press, my man. You can't call the press as the sitting president of the United States, the United People. Anthony, Anthony, what you just said is, is, hold on, hold on. What you just said, what you just said was all, what you just said was all factual, to your credit. Okay. You laid it out beautifully. None of it existed. What effing world are you living in? This press wakes up every morning, every major network, every cable news channel, and not only not only goes after Donald Trump, but lies. So while you stated what ideally it okay, should Fox be for seven years, it Fox. hasn't been Fox that way. Going after, Fox is going after Donald Trump? Oh, you found one That's station. Good. Nicely done, Andy. News, Newsmax is going after Donald oh, now, Trump. Now you found America. two. Now you found one two. American nobody news listens to the – nobody Trump. watches these stations. Oh, they watch Fox. It's still the okay. You got rated, one. Uh, you got one. Show. You got one. But, but see, you see, you see. Here's the thing. All just the fact. No, 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 no. Anthony, Anthony, he's you got not one. The guy that you want to run the. He's not the guy to run. Then tell the me why Chris Christie's the guy. Tell me why Chris Christie's the guy. Well, there's several reasons. Number one, he has executive management skills. He <laughs> knows how to delegate, and he knows how to get things done. Yeah. I'm not saying he was has a perfect record right. in the state of New Jersey. You brought up some positive things that he's done. He's done some negative things. But you're not going to find the perfect person to run for president. Okay, I Jesus agree. And Moses, Jesus and Moses aren't available. I agree. He's not. I agree. Okay, so what do you want to do? Okay, Jamie Dimon would be incredibly talented at it. He doesn't want to run. He's a billionaire. Um, listen, he's listen, don't give me people. Uh, the people that are running, okay, you give me right. a reason why I shouldn't okay, vote so, for know, Trump. Maybe maybe it'll be Newsom and uh, Youngkin. You don't know what's going to happen between now and 2024. You know, You know, look, I mean. Look, you can look at President Biden and say, okay, come on, guys, there's something wrong there. I'm not an ageist, but there's something wrong there. You look at Trump, you think Trump is normal? He's not a normal guy. I agree. Okay, and he has nobody that worked for him that likes him. Don't care. Nobody. Don't care. Uh, Because because, because the way 5,000 people have to have the government. Anthony, the way the world is today, between the guy in China, between the guy in Russia, between the guy in Iran. You think Trump is the guy that can handle that? Well, well, how did it go for three and a half years until COVID, Anthony? It was perfect. Perfect. perfect, Oh, it wasn't. There was a war in Ukraine? He racked up $8 trillion. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait, wait. I'm talking about peace. He he was going to balance the budget in eight years. He. You know, from George Washington to George W. Bush, we had $7 trillion of deficit spending. Yeah. Donald Trump in four years, $7.8 trillion in deficit spending. Come on, Sid. you got to talk. You, you had a lot of COVID. You had a, COVID, a lot of COVID. I understand money. that you love Trump, and yeah. you got all your radio listeners who love Trump, and they're chanting Trump, Trump, Trump. But let's just be honest. Anthony, not, Anthony, let me stop you for a second. Uh, guy, hold on a second. You don't want the guy to be the president. Hold on. Hold if on. If you were an executive search company, you would want Donald Trump to be the Anthony, president with all these Anthony, problems? Anthony, I didn't, I didn't even vote for Donald Trump in 2016. Now I'm going to talk, okay? I didn't even vote for him. I don't love him. 
but I am adult enough to know that for three and a half years until COVID came, he wasn't a good president. He was spectacular, spectacular. And you knew it. And then there was a personal issue, which, again, I understand. I defend you with that. But instead of coming on and being honest and say, I just don't like the guy, you're bringing up a cock to people like Jason Diamond or what? Stop. You, Chris Christie never did anything at a level that Donald Trump did that he should even be in this race, let alone badmouth Donald Trump every day. He's another guy that loved Donald Trump like you did. Now he hates him. Nobody hates him. Nobody hates him. I don't hate him. You you keep saying I hate the guy. I don't hate him. No. He's just not the right guy to be president. And you keep saying he did all these great things. He did. But you, 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 okay, you, 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 okay, come on. Do you want, you want me to list them? Do you want me to list them? Do you want me to list Stop, stop. You want me to list them? Do you want me to list them? totally mishandled the COVID-19 situation. We lost $22 million jobs on his watch. He was the worst presidential candidate since Herbert Hoover. He lost the presidency. He lost the House. He lost the Senate. He, he has an approval rating, never got over 50 percent. Right. He racially charged the country. OK, oh, he did. Further the tribal. He did. He did. Right. Sure. He did. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, do, 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 you know, do, do you know, do you know, do you know who BLM power? You're right. saying that there's very there's very good people on both sides. Where he's, he didn't he's, say he's, that. He's he didn't say that. God, you just. He no, he didn't. Anthony, on, I stop for the guy. I, I don't care what they were from he Anthony. Particles. You, Anthony, he splits particles. So there's a little tidbit for you who likes him. And there's a lot out there for people to say, okay, this guy's crazy. He shouldn't be the president. No, he is crazy. No, he he should be the president. president. And, yeah, and what you, you did know, just now be. is what CNN you did. You just lied. You just lied. He didn't say that. He didn't say I don't, it. I don't, I don't like it. Anthony, you just lied. Yeah, he look, didn't say it. No, you lied. You lied. Yeah, he didn't say it. very fine people on both sides. I heard him say it. No, he did not say that. He was not talking about the Nazis. He was not talking about the Nazis. He said, yeah, was with the guy. I know how he thinks, okay? He treats people like objects in his field of vision. Okay. He's not He's not a healing, thoughtful mm. guy that really wants to serve Like Chris Christie. That's a, that's a healing, this thoughtful is a, guy. This, is a, vanity, this yeah. is a vanity project for the guy. Right. He's also scared of going to jail. He thinks this is going to give him some air cover or some prosecutorial pr- protection, right. which it will not, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, and he'd be better off cutting a deal and going home. And let's get some younger... More talented people. You don't like Christie? What about Glenn Youngkin? You remember the light beer commercial, taste great, less filling? How about same policies, less crazy? Could we go with that? Same policies, less crazy. Glenn Youngkin could do the job. Very competent executive with the Harvard Business School. He's sure. CEO of Carlisle. I like him. He's running the state of Virginia. Yep. Let's get him out there then if you don't like no, Chris. No, thanks. Okay, no. I like I like I no. like Chris because I think he knows what to no. do. You like Chris. You like Chris because all he does every day is You like Chris because all he does every day is bash Trump, which is what you do. I don't pay you. Am I bashing him right now? Yes, of course. You're lying about what he said about in Charlottesville. He didn't. You're talking about you're talking about a trillion dollars, trillions of dollars in deficit. When you know, I can list twenty things right now, twenty that he did better than any other president in the history of the office. But he, but because by the way, who would have done a good job with COVID? You want one? How about Israel? How about moving the embassy to Jerusalem? How about the Abraham Peace Accords? Is that okay enough for you? I I think there were things that he did that were good. Well, you asked me for one. I gave you. I gave you one. I gave. He's dangerous. He's incompetent. What does that mean? He's okay. dangerous. Ask the American military. Where were the world he's, wars? He's Where were the world wars? He doesn't when... read the intelligence briefing. Right. Right. No idea what the policies are. Sure. Okay. That's, you yeah. know, God only knows 
yeah. the intelligence data that he shared with our adversaries. Oh, all of it. Sure. That's hey, come why. Come on, man. Hey, Anthony, on, you, Anthony, was there a you Ukraine, don't, you don't Anthony? The, you don't want to see the truth. No, you don't. Okay. No, no, I'm giving you facts. Was there a Ukraine-Russia? Was there, was there a, Anthony, you got to stop talking. Was there a Ukraine-Russia war? No. Was Chinese concerning invading Taiwan? No. I'm giving you facts. You're giving me nonsense. Oh, who would he share it with? Was there, were there wars going on then when Donald Trump was president? The answer is no. The answer is no. No. We had a 20, we had a 20. Again, the deficit, I know, right, right, right. You know, had we had a 28 year strategy in terms yeah. of the way we handled the Ukrainian Russian situation. It was uh, very successful. Right. Donald Trump tra- came along. He tried yeah. to hijack Zelensky. Mm-hmm. That was the first impeachment. He delayed the arms shipments that they needed, <laughs> the anti tank missiles, et cetera. Yeah. We had something called Occupation uh, Porcupine, yeah. where we put anti defense, anti ballistic missiles in the area to protect the country. Putin said, okay, I got this guy. Trump is kissing my you-know-what. Right. I'm going to be able to break the NATO alliance, and I'm going to go down there and destroy the Ukraine. Had we fortified them, uh, our old friend Ronald Reagan used to say peace through strength. Right. Everything was fine until Donald Trump decided he was going to slow down the arms shipments. Okay, and he gave an opening for Vladimir Putin to attack. No, he gave the opening, yeah. right? So, of course but, he did. right? So, so, but, but Putin, but, 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 wait, wait, but Putin waited. On. Then why Bring didn't the Putin? On. Then why on. didn't Putin do it, me. Anthony? Anthony, why didn't Putin do it when Trump was president? He just waited for Biden. He just waited. Trump were president, Putin would be oh. in Warsaw. No, 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 no. no. That's not saying would be. Stop saying would be. NATO alliance. Anthony, stop telling me. Anthony, Anthony, you work in would be's, I work in facts. You work in would be's. When Trump was president, when Trump, when, no, you're not giving me any facts. You're giving me, no, no. When Trump was president, was, when Trump, okay, goodbye. Shut up. I'm done with you. I love you, but you're saying things that are so stupid. So stupid. I've asked you ten times. When Donald Trump was president, did Putin go in? The answer is no. But he paved the way. You, now, if the war started when Trump was the president, Anthony, you would sound smart with all of your weaponry stuff. The facts are the facts. There was no Ukraine-Russia war when Trump was president. It started when Biden came in. These are facts. Stop telling me what would be if Trump was president. None of the, no, no, you're wrong. The world is afraid of Trump, maybe because he is crazy, like you said. I don't know. But there was no war. The war started when he left. That's not a guess. That's a fact. You're guessing, well, if he was president, Poland, stop. Stop with the deficit. And COVID? You think any president would have done a good job? Do I need to remind you what Obama and Biden did during the swine flu? Thousands died before they even figured out what the hell was going on. And you think Trump all of a sudden was going to figure out how to combat COVID? Are you nuts? You think fat, stupid Chris Christie would be able to deal better with that? Stop. Jobs, best they've ever been. African-Americans, Latinos, great stock market numbers. Your business, Anthony, you made a ton of money when Trump was president. A ton of money. No wars. It was great. The race issue, that was Obama. That's what BLM started. Obama. When scumbags like Michael Brown and Freddie Gray and all these people became victims. Like George Floyd became a victim. Arrested nine times. Put a pregnant wo- a gun in a pregnant woman's stomach. And we got statues of this guy. It wasn't Trump. And he didn't say Nazis are fine people. He never said that. Never once. Even Jake Tapper has admitted that. Jake Tapper, CNN. It's enough. You don't like them, 
Fine, I respect you for that. If he said something bad about Danielle, I'd be talking the same way. But just because you're a very bright guy and you are much smarter than me, much smarter than me, and you can talk about things that I don't even know about, doesn't mean you don't come into this war with an agenda and a bias. You certainly do. And the same thing with Chris Christie. Same thing. This guy has done nothing, nothing but bash Donald Trump. That's not a candidate. That's a sour little bitch. That's what Chris Christie is, a sour little bitch. You want a team with him? God bless you. I'm not. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. They're crazy. Anthony checks in. I buy my clothes at his place between Abud and Anthony. Anthony, the garage. I look great every day. He goes, you're fantastic. That's the way to ratings. Truth, honesty, and standing your ground. It takes courage to fight. It's easy to be a coward. That's why we listen. I, I love you too, Anthony. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this uh, next conversation is not going to be nearly as... Top is the last two, Pete King and Anthony Scaramucci. Uh, I wouldn't bet on anything today. No, this is my first cousin. I love him. Okay. This is a family member now. But, okay, good. But uh, I stand my ground with both. Some of the people involved in Nassau County are scumbags. And and uh, Mooch, great guy. Great guy. Know him very well. Great guy. I think going to be on Bo Dito's uh, podcast coming up. Super guy. Sweet guy. Help you in a heartbeat. But he's sour on Trump. Whether you know, he fired him, he talked bad about his wife, whatever the stupid reason is, I don't know. There's wife stuff I get, I'd be the same way. If, if Trump called out Danielle, I'd be pissed too, but, I, but I, I have the balls to admit it. Not come on because I'm smart and talk well and try to make an argument for a fat, stupid Chris Christie. Are you kidding me? Tell me Trump wasn't a good president because people died during COVID? Are you nuts? Who, who would have known what to do in that situation? Obama was worse with, with, with the swine flu. Are you crazy? Three and a half years. Give me one thing he did well, the Abraham Accords. Okay, well, 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 what? What? Give me one thing Biden's done well. One thing. What did Chris Christie, besides getting free uh, illegal gambling in Jersey, do that was so great? I don't know. I have a lot of friends and family who live in Jersey. They hate Chris Christie. They don't, they don't, they hate him. They like the gay guy better. What was his name? I'm a grievy. Christie. What kind of candidate spends his days and nights thrashing one candidate? Not the field. 
He's not saying I'm your best bet because, no, he spends his days and nights thrashing Trump. I'm going to take that guy seriously? And he loved Trump just like Scaramucci did. But which one is it? I voted against Trump. I wasn't a Trump guy. I thought his campaign in 2016 was the most sophomoric, silliest thing I've ever seen. He's, he wore a stupid hat, he nicknamed his opponents, and he's going to build a wall. What the hell is that? I voted for Hillary. But I'm adult enough to admit I was wrong. He was a great president. Great. Great. On a bunch of different levels. Scaramucci's going to tell me, well, he paved the way for Putin. Really? Well, why didn't Putin do it when Trump was president? Was it a, was it a, co- a coincidence? He did it when Biden took over? When 13 people died in Afghanistan? Yeah, no. Was China considering going to Taiwan? Was Trump? No. No. You had economic, you had world peace, the economy was doing great. Three and a half years, and the Chinese effed us. Bottom line. Not the Europeans, Andrew Cuomo, you dumb bastard. The Chinese. Anyway, my next guest is my first cousin. He's a hero out of the great state of Minnesota. Mayor of St. Paul, Senator, and uh, came in second in the gubernatorial race. And I'm very proud of him, and I love him. Norman Coleman. Good morning, Norm. Good morning, cousin. How you doing? I, you're on a roll. I don't. I don't want to interrupt. Well, <laughs> but, but, by the way, I saw Bruce Springsteen at Hanshaw Auditorium, University of Iowa, where I was going to law school almost 30 years ago. Maybe, I think maybe 74, 75. First album out. Greetings from Asbury Park. Nobody knew oh, who he was. Oh, he was really good. Such a great album. I, See, politics, I disagree with, but I got to tell no, you. No, me too. Great I, I hate him over his politics, but I'm going to see him, and I'm going backstage August 28th, and I can't wait. Yeah, very cool. For people very that don't cool. know, when you see my cousin on TV now, he's on all the time. He's very handsome. He's very well-groomed. <laughs> but when he was listening to Springsteen, he was probably smoking pot with Abby Hoffman. Hey, I, I was at Woodstock, and I inhaled. But, you know, full <laughs> confession, okay? <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, listen, you said I was on a roll. Um Again, like Scaramucci, you're much smarter than me, older, and been around a lot longer. Uh, was there anything I said during that little rant, which has basically lasted the last hour and a half, was there anything I said that was not true? Anything? No, the, the only, let me just say this, is, is, is uh, I'm with you in terms of Trump have been a great president. Uh, and I was as anti-Trump as you can get. Uh, but but uh, he, Israel in particular, I'm national chairman of the Republican Jewish Coalition. He was the best friend Israel had in the White House. My problem is, is I don't think he can win. Uh, I don't think he can win in uh, in 2024. And yet, uh, he's they're, they're crucifying him now in, in a way that that is absolutely insane, insanity. Uh, and as a result, certainly within my party, our party, at least my party, and our folks who are rallying around him as they should. I, I can. I, there are too many suburban women that I, I kind of. I look at a lot of numbers still. Uh, and and uh, and I worry that that he can't win a majority of the whole public. He can certainly carry the Republican Party, and we are rallying around as we should because he's being he is being crucified in a way that that is I think tearing this country apart. So that's my concern. My concern is is, is he was a great he did great things. Uh, he, he's killing us in, in 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 with suburban women. You know we've lost the Senate. We've lost that. We just got the House by five votes. We've lost presidential two presidential election presidential election i just worry about you know 2024 so that's a whole separate issue and then uh you know, we'll see how this plays out but right now he's got you know i mean they're coming after him the rico statute i, I was had i was chief, chief prosecutor in the state of minnesota i, I you know, tried a lot of cases uh i understand rico 
they're 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 crucifying him and, and by the way others the the former the Byron York has a good piece today in the in the Examiner uh, the former chair of the of the of Georgia Republican Party did what Democrats have done did what Al Gore uh, they 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 publicly said they were going to create a a slate of electors should Trump win on appeal on the advice of counsel they did it in in public they invited the press. Uh, and, and you know, in case he won, they would have had electors who voted for Trump. Uh, and he is one of the, the 19 or something that is indicted on charges of, of RICO statute, impersonating a public officer, uh, forgery, criminal attempts to file false public die. This is insanity, Sid. We're dealing with insanity now. And, and so I still worry about 2024. I'm not sure how it plays out. I do worry whether 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 president who did was the best friend Israel had in the White House. You don't know whether he can be successful in 2024, and and uh, and and we got to make sure a Democrat is not there. I got to tell you, Biden is killing this country. I don't think he's going to be the candidate, by the way, in 2024. I don't think he makes it to 2024, November 2024. Well, you're about the hundredth person on this show that's yeah. told me that. By the way, there is no choice. He's going to win the primary by a landslide. I think a lot of people share the same concern you do, Norm, but they need to put it, put it to rest because DeSantis ain't beating them, Scott ain't beating them, Haley ain't beating them. So we got to figure out a way to get this done because he's going to be the guy. But to your point, uh, a hundred other people have said the same thing. I don't think it's going to be Biden. Well, who's going to be Gavin Newsom? The only fear is, of course, that if Michelle Obama jumps in because most people I talk to, yeah. even staunch Republicans, think Michelle will beat him tomorrow, but we don't think she's going to do it. So if it's not Michelle Obama, it doesn't matter. There's no Democrat outside of Biden, I can beat Trump. Is that, can Gavin Newsom beat Trump? No. Again, I, it, politics is, I have, I've been in the business over 30 years, and, 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 and a, a week is, is a lifetime, a month is two lifetimes, and November 24 is, 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 is a century away. Uh, I don't know. You know but it's, I, I, I can't argue with anything you just said. Uh, he is he's dominating within the party. Uh, on the other hand, uh, in terms of, of whether he can win in 2020, I think that's still a question that Fair. you know a lot of people are asking. Well, Youngkin, you know, what's he going to be doing? Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Many slipped with cup and lip in politics, yeah. and before, you know, from now until November 2024, long uh, time away. Mooch just brought him up too, young guy, Ohio. But I mean, no one who Glenn Youngkin was a year and a half. And I know Obama also, no one knew who he was, and he came back and won. But he was an African American guy. There was a lot of Side stories. Nobody, nobody, no, nobody, nobody knew Bill Clinton when he won. That's I mean, true. You're right. Yeah, You're right. You know, yeah. go back and yeah. go back in history, and, and you know, folks that were dominating, you know, at true. this time, dominating at this time, right, right, uh, including Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. And yep. right at one point in time, uh, and, and and Scott Walker, okay, and and Jeb Bush. Yeah. <laughs> even so, even Ben Carson. Right. Ben Carson was uh, killing it early on. Yeah. But you know, yeah. it's funny. You talk yeah. about history, and I want to. And this is part of the reason why I brought you on today was. I watched this uh, thing on Netflix. Have you seen Trump and American Dream? No. no. All right. You know, it's six years old, Norm. It was done in 2017. But believe it or not, you're in it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they actually showed live debate footage of you oh, yeah, against yeah. Jesse. Now, I, and I didn't know this. You know, Trump, of course, has flirted with the presidency for 30 years, dating all the way back to 1988. But he became uh, that Reform Party candidate in 2000. Well, he was one, and Pat Buchanan actually went on to get that role. But he was uh, very seriously considering running in 2000. And, uh, you know, he buddied up to your guy, Ventura, because he was amazed that a wrestler, to your point, who was getting like 7% of the polling, found a way to win. And he didn't care about policy. He just wanted to get to know Ventura's strategies. 
on how he beat impressive people like you to get that job. So Trump was butting up to Jesse Ventura during that whole period when he thought about running in 2000. But let me tell you, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, things happen that they kind of line up all the, the right way and boom, including, by the way, me getting elected to the U.S. Senate, beating Walter Mondale. Okay. If, if the funeral service for, for Paul Wellstone didn't turn into a political rally, I would have lost to, to Walter Mondale, who was carrying the mantle of Paul Wellstone. There would have been no, we would not have a debate. He would have walked into the, in, into the Senate. And yet a, politi- a, a funeral service turned into a political rally that ignited a, a, a fire across, not by the way, just in Minnesota, across the nation. Okay? Uh, and I ended up beating Mondale away by 50,000 votes. Uh, in, in, in 1998, the Republicans were uh, the Democrats. Republicans were impeaching Clinton. Democrats were defending him. It was a 70-something degree day, or six in, in Minnesota in November, and it was like, okay, we're going to go out and, and, and you know we just would a pox on both your houses. And all of a sudden, I, my pollster the night before said, said that uh, you're going to beat the attorney general tomorrow by by, by three to five points. I beat my, I beat Hubert Humphrey by seven points, but then Ventura was ahead of me. Uh, and so things happen. That's my point about, you know, November 24 being so far away. So sometimes things happen Sid, that you can't explain. I can't explain my victory against Walter Mondale. I, I can't explain it. A funeral service turned into a rally that transformed the race literally in a moment. Uh, and, and, and Jesse Ventura, if the election were a day before or a day after, Sid, he wouldn't have won. I agree. Okay? Oh, I agree. That day, at that yeah. time. And so, yeah. and so things happen. And Donald Trump gets elected when we all we got no way. I I told I I told everyone there's this no way that 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 he can win no no way that that he can win I agree and yet he did right in New York Times he was ninety seven percent percent Hillary Clinton's going to be the president okay so so we're but let's today as we look at it right now there's no question okay he's dominating our party uh, and people are rallying as they should he's he's being crucified in a way that is tearing this country apart. That that simply is, is, is and I mean, it, it, there's just no no comprehending kind of what this Georgia prosecutor is doing. And by the way, if she's going to do it, maybe six other you know local county prosecutors and X number of other states can do the same thing. And you don't think that this country is, is getting torn apart by people? Oh, it that. is. No, what I mean, we have, we have, we have listen, a republic. Now? Right? They've actually uh, indicted Trump going back to January 6th because they thought democracy was in trouble. And they're right, but it's this. This is what's putting democracy in trouble, not a bunch of psychos in front of the Capitol. Uh, so let me ask you, you the, 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 these indictments, uh, again, very anecdotal, Norman, very anecdotal. But I speak to people on both sides, and they are agreeing, even Democrats, that what's going on with Trump is ridiculous. Not not the progressives, not the – they love it. They, they celebrate this is the greatest thing ever. So do you think that maybe this type of treatment – can turn around some of those suburban housewives who are not stupid, and they go, well, hold on a second. Somebody's really afraid this guy is going to win. Could that happen? Yeah, by the way, this, this, this indictment this indictment that, that, that was uh, publicized before the grand jury voted. So, so they're, they're, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, this prosecutor is prescient. Right? Of course she knows it because the grand jury, is it, it's a sham. Uh, it was a sham. It is a sham. You know, they said, I don't know. You, 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 you raise a, at a certain point in time, the average American's got to look at this and saying, what the heck? Is, is this who we are? That, that we, that we, we, we kind of hunt down our, our political opponents and, and, and knock them out of the race. They, they, again, they, they do that in third world countries. They do that. And I mean, this is, this is not America. 
And this is not the, you know, what, what my dad, you know, fought for, you know, on, on, the, on the beaches of Normandy uh, and, 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 the, and the Battle of the Bulls. This, this is not the country that, that uh, uh, liberty and freedom, the shining city on the hill that Ronald Reagan spoke about. And, and so how it all plays out, I, I think we're in the middle of a drama. We're, we're, we're kind of in, in the early stages of a drama that's yet to be played out. But it's pretty ugly right now. And, and right, the threat to democracy is not what happened on January 6th. The threat to democracy is what's happening right now, right now, with, 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 with uh, uh, a, a, the leading candidate of the opposition party uh, that being trying to be taken out using the criminal justice system to do that. It's absolutely outrageous. It's a shame, and it, it breaks my heart because I love this country. You do, and uh, you mentioned your father, uh, Norman Coleman, who I miss uh, desperately, yeah. your father and my father, the two real paternal figures in our family's history, the two of them. And he did fought uh, valiantly, your father, and very decorated serviceman. And, and I think about him all the time. And I think about you, and I hope you're enjoying your summer on the lake there in Minnesota, which is a crazy place. I, I mean, I, it's Norm, I love you, and I know it's beautiful, and the winters are pretty. But, my God, uh, you guys are almost as bad as New York and L.A. You're crazy there, crazy people. Well, it's uh, it, it's interesting politics up here. But I got to tell you, Sid, the wildlife, no, no better eating than uh, you know. You pick a wild, get a walleye out of the lake, okay? You fillet it, you put it on the grill. Nothing better than that, okay? Yeah, so that yeah. takes care. Of, and, and, and by the way, uh, you know, my mom didn't raise dumb kids. I, I must confess, from, from from January to June, I'm in Naples, Florida. Yes, you kids, are. Okay? Yeah. My, my mom didn't raise dumb <laughs> kids. Okay? You are yeah. no dummy. Quickly, last thirty seconds. Do you want to see the Vikings give Kirk Cousins a lot of money? You know, I, I uh, this is going to be our year. This guy, we got the best receiver, wide receiver, oh receiver in, in, in football. Oh, yeah, we got a quarterback. This is going to be his moment, Sid. He, he's going to really show what he's got this moment. Okay, uh, you've been telling me that for thirty years, Norm. <laughs> I'm an optimist, okay? I'm an optimist. Okay, I'm a Jewish guy. Believe in Santa Claus. What the heck? <laughs> Me too. I'm that same guy. I love you. This was great. Great conversation. Give my best to the family. Let's do it again very, very soon, Norman. I love you. Thank you so much. Oh, my love. Thanks, guys. That's the great Norman Coleman right there in the state of Minnesota. Senator Norm Coleman. Talk Radio 77 WABC. All right, we're done, folks. A lot of fun today. Thanks again to Curtis Lewa, Joseph Tacopino, Roger Stone, Peter King, Anthony Scaramucci, and Norm Coleman. A great job by you, Lou Rufino. As always, Justin Ellick, Noam Layden. We'll all be back again tomorrow. Enjoy your Wednesday in New York City. Until a Thursday morning at 6. From all of us to all of you, happy, I guess, uh, what do they call that? Heavenly birthday, Elvis. Peace! Don't forget my past. The future looks bright ahead. Don't be cruel. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.